0: Welcome to episode 206 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is not Randy Michael Statt. He is not here. As we are recording on a Tuesday, we generally do this on a Sunday. Why did we do it on a Tuesday? Well, frankly, that's none of your goddamned business. But we're getting this intro done. We've got a hell of an intro for you. we got a hell of an episode for you. And recording this week is Russell John. Fisher. Saw that coming. <laughs> well, of
1: course you did. The monitor's hooked up right there. You know I don't have good peripheral vision. Yeah,
0: yeah in the episode we were uh, worried that we're not going to get this interview. Uh, we did. We totally got it. That's why we recorded both uh, things in the actual episode. of. We prepared if uh, the interview was going to happen or was it wasn't.
2: What? <laughs> don't worry about it.
0: Oksana Valerian of Osachi. Hi. How are you? Okay. Yeah, you should be okay. As you smelled like a distillery when you came in this room. You
2: don't. You don't make wine in a distillery. <laughs> yeah, you? yeah, you
0: dummy. <laughs> you smelled of alcohol.
2: It's all
1: the
0: same. It's just a little bit. It's bitter. all the devil's <laughs> juice. You understand?
2: They drink wine in church, so. Oh. Yeah,
0: they also piddle little boys. So, <laughs> how about that? Speaking of church, not piddling little boys.
2: <laughs> oh
3: no. The director. <laughs>
0: Sorry, Brendan didn't mean did. You had it. I you did. fucked it up. I fucked it all up. The director of Velosa Pastor joins us this week. Brendan Steer, um, who joined us, he had just gotten off a very intense camping expedition. He has spent a couple months uh, with his parents in Pennsylvania. He was very. Uh, uh, but we we're very glad to have him as he called us on uh, he was uh, calling him from east coast we were uh, we didn't know that he was uh yeah,
2: he's been all over the place he's lived in like he's a traveled five states, learned
0: things. man he cut the movie in latvia is that what he said is uh it, was it latvia I don't know. think so you were here I, it was eastern <laughs> bloc i can't Pretty for, sure it was latvia yeah so oksana's uh, neighbors
2: i'm from around there
0: <laughs> all right. Have fun with your wine. So, uh, yeah, Brennan's great. had a great talk with him. And uh, welcome to another three-hour episode of Nonsense. And uh, I apologize, and uh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll find our nice little sweet spot. But uh, it's a great episode, and uh, we're happy to have you. Uh, before we get to all of our pop and circumstance with the intro and the episode, let's... Hear what we need to do while we're inside during this quarantine <laughs> i'm very tired
2: um well you don't need to but i'm personally really excited about this release it's coming out on friday from rlje films they're releasing spree on yes VOD on disc and supposedly in select theaters but i don't know which one rush you know about this one so no he does not <laughs> um, it's about a guy named Kurt Kurt wants to be famous on social media but currently is working in a rideshare as a rideshare driver for Spree um, he devises a plan to go viral which was to rig his cars with cameras in order to broadcast a nonstop live stream of him picking up passengers and murdering
0: them <laughs> if you have interest <laughs> in producing the podcast Please send that to podcast at overlooktheater dot com.
2: Uh, so his rampage is interrupted by a stand-up comedian who oh. has her own agenda. Don't we all? Thunder that would have been
0: yeah, that would you Mister. <laughs> Don't do it, you idiot.
2: <laughs> it's so loud. Yes, yeah.
0: for impact.
2: You can't, you can't tame nature. <laughs> <laughs> <What>?
0: <laughs> Isolate
1: that. <laughs>
2: Um, so we also We recently um, It was last week We got a message From uh, an F1 um, called? Veteran Oh nice sh- Short filmmaker uh, Michael Davis He messaged us to let us know About a new project he made He teamed up with the No Sleep Podcast No Sleep <laughs> They made uh, a short film Filmed entirely on an iPhone 8 Based on the Smile Dog Creepypasta it's called Infection. Um, it's gonna be. It's available now on their YouTube channel, Creepy Pasta. Uh, sorry, Creepy Pizza. There we go. <laughs> um, so you should check that out. All
0: right. Anything else? Nope. For any questions, queries, concerns, or comments, please direct those to podcast dot com, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, the other one. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an me. It's not even my business what you do on your own personal time. The Overlook Hour is available on Facebook as The Overlook Hour. The Overlook Hour is available on Instagram as The Overlook Theater. The Overlook Hour is available on Twitter as The Overlook Hour. Find us, like us, comment, <laughs> tell a friend, tell it to me.
1: Russell? Um, share our episodes. We need your support. We're bad at promoting. Oxana does great. Clark does nothing. Correct. We need uh, people to put it in their stories and force your friends to listen to it. Please.
0: <laughs> Four. The absent Randy Michael Statt, the present Russell John Fisher, the also present Oksana Valeria Nevada Osachi. I'm Quark Little Until Episode 207. Enjoy Britain's Steer, and why don't you go ahead and have fun, Lollipops? This week's two-sentence horror story brought to you by former guest and current friend, David Robson. Playwright, author of House of Sparrows, very learned.
1: He did a good job, actually. I think originally we were trying to uh, poke
0: fun at spooky, but I like that. That might be my favorite. This is fun. I like this new bit we're doing. You know what I don't like? What I'm drinking. (laughs) I think I'm over it you over. You haven't even finished it. I had four sips. I oh get it. God. What is the other drink you had? Uh, this is a all natural Virgil's zero sugar root beer. You ever had a Virgil's? It sounds awful. Virgil's is great. Where's the sugar? Huh? It's a Stevia. Oh, fuck that. Stevia. <laughs>
3: no,
1: hell no.
0: It's Stevia sugar. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you finish that? I know. I got a little bit.
1: That's why your pellet's all fucked up. No, no, no. You My can't palate be-
0: is fucked up for watermelon White Claw? <laughs> yeah. What are you even talking about?
4: <laughs> you fucked it up, dude. It's, it's going to be really weird pretty- switching back to root beer, too.
0: Ro- no, root beer immediately washes out this chemical garbage taste of this White Claw. Nah.
3: I'm going to finish it, because... Yeah. It's bubbly water. Yeah. yeah. With bullshit in it. Ice? <laughs> I don't know. I just A I, bowl of
0: ice in there? I knew I wasn't gonna like the the white claw I think. That's why I stuck away from it and now that I've I've had it. Randy, what are you drinking?
4: Uh just a brew dog from Almanac Brewing in Alameda, I think.
0: I know about the almanac. Yeah,
4: hey, it's re- good.
3: I read it daily. <laughs> Did you so my
0: my grandfather oh, no. was uh <laughs> He he had a business uh do with pulpwood, but he also was a farmer. Pulpwood? Pulpwood,
3: yeah. Um I'm not gonna ask. Just
0: He would yeah, you take shitty trees to the paper mill. I said Oh, sh- yeah. okay. So uh he ran that business, a pulpwood business, but he also uh did some farming. Um earlier in his life, but then, you know, late like when I was a kid, you know, he was well in his 60s I imagine at that time. He uh you know he, he he had a couple rows of corn and peas and whatnot so he had a small garden but uh, he used to have a proper farm and uh, he would always have the farmer's almanac on vhs <laughs> 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 well where's that now I, I i have no idea i don't know where they are my mom may have them it may be at the house but i remember he would have the farmer farmer's almanac on VHS, see if see if you can yeah, YouTube it
3: because
0: I I don't even remember. I think I used to watch them, but I have no recollection as to what was on them.
3: Um, God, these this would have been maybe from the late eighties, but at least the nineties. Nah,
0: try try uh Farmer's Almanac nineteen ninety to see it, see what that does. Well, th- it came up for two thousand. Oh, Terry Hot. TV
1: station offers free Farmer's Almanac. Now, nah, this doesn't look like what you were talking about,
0: though. Okay, the cover looked a whole lot like that because that's what the almanac looked like. But uh, yeah, the animal VHS. Weird. What a weird! I don't know. We're, and it's they such a different world now. <laughs> but dude, like they didn't have cable, so they all they had was the the three local channels, including PBS, and then uh, VHS. And the the only tapes they had were Farmer Farmer's Almanac and a weird um kid show with clowns. And it was about how to be a clown. <laughs> what the and fuck? The clown puts on their makeup even if they frown. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking dumb. And uh when I was uh, when I was in kindergarten, my kindergarten teacher written had written a play for us. She wrote the play and it was uh the name of the play was The Day The Clowns Lost Their Smile. <laughs> and I was the ringmaster. So everyone was a part of the circus and I was the ringmaster. <laughs> and when I was a kid, my I started taking violin lessons when I was 3 years old. Oh god. So by the time I was 5 I could play. Uh-huh. And so they 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 Crowbarred my violin playing <laughs> into the the show, so I'm just like now presenting Ralph the juggler. But before we do that, here's this, and I just play my violin. Yeah, I had that on VHS. Okay, there can, is video. Yeah, of that. there is video of that.
4: I can dig that up.
0: Okay, well, what the fuck the are we talking about? Clowns? It for? It's
4: Tell your Whatever mom. Whatever happened to uh, the day the clown cried? Did that get released? Mm.
0: So. It was rumored that it was going to be released once he died. Well, he's been dead over a year. Yeah, I don't know. I think that who has it is it with the Smithsonian. Someone has it. I think. I think the Smithsonian has it. But who's seen it? I think Patton Oswalt has seen it.
4: Huh. Uh, the didn't Library have, of
0: Congress owns it. Library of Congress. That's it. That's it. They didn't Crazy. show it at the Alamo. That no, because no one has seen it. What the fuck did we watch? It's been under the LMO. we watched the world's greatest center with Timothy Carey. Okay, yeah, that that movie
3: you couldn't find forever. I had tried to find it for a decade. Um, I was glad I saw it, but uh yeah, I don't know, man.
0: I, I I'm down to watch it. it. It can't be as bad as they <laughs> say it is. I mean, yeah, oh, I survived Money Plane, so. Well, it's never going to live up to the hype now, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, for
1: sure. Yeah, I don't. I'd never even heard about it until you started talking about it. Like oh yeah, that. I mean, ago. that was
0: one of the first like Hollywood lore things I ever learned. I learned that in, like high school. Yeah, I don't know. I, I
1: also don't know why I pulled up live. Oh, I do because you were talking about a farm. You know, so Randy, a couple of days ago, we were watching a live police chase in LA. Hell yeah! And um. I didn't realize, dude. They've been showing these all over, and there's been the hell of chases too. So there, there was like one that same day. There's always a police chase in Los Angeles. Yeah, but do they always have a helicopter broadcasting the whole brother, thing, brother?
0: Yes, I think you, so. Yeah, brother. Uh, do I need to bring you back to 1994 with but OJ I mean, Simpson?
1: Like three a day <laughs> Three a day,
0: dude. It's all
1: the time. So OJ, name another one.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: J-O. Here's a yeah. Here's a bunch right in front of you. But you know, they're not commonplace. Dude, we watched that one, like briefly, and then they started popping up on my fucking. Are you talking YouTube about the feed. one we
0: watched yesterday? Yeah. That I think that was in Northern California, wasn't it? I think it was LA. Was it LA? It was a county I'd never heard Randy, of. Randy, it was crazy. Because they were broadcasting it,
1: people were going outside of their house, like there'd be like five people waiting on the street.
0: He was in a farm.
1: And they would start throwing shit at the car when it drove by. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it was fucking weird. I mean, that's what VHS Viral should have been.
0: Hey, I tell you what, hey, a VHS, that shit wasn't VHS even VHS a-
1: viral, should have been a whole different <laughs> lot of things. <laughs> that wraparound, though, was trying to do that. Kind of. Yeah, but then the magician showed up and just ruined it everyone. <laughs> Who defended that? You know, I got to rewatch it. I, I can't remember. Somebody really liked the magician. They need to get their heads Well, checked. you know, I, was it a faux doc, though? It is the worst thing I've ever seen. Well, I mean, you know, my, my stance originally was that it wasn't even. Found footage but if it's in world camera
0: it that would count dude i never finished viral i, I'm, I, I might have to revisit it. it yeah you know what i may have finished it because uh when um of course when we talked to uh benson and morehead yeah uh, i had to watch for bone storm yeah but i don't i don't know if i finished well, it. bone storm's the hidden gem in there it's like the
3: bone third Storm's one. great. yeah
1: those Storm's great and then i know you weren't into um uh what's
0: his nacho name? yeah nacho. i don't i can't and it was like made for you too <sighs> nachos but done one thing that i like genitals and the air nacho <laughs> hit one home run non-christian uh, propaganda it. am Portals. i wrong Portals. did you
1: you like that one uh, i thought it was okay I the was penis cool.
0: man monster time travel yeah
1: no thank you yeah I, well, I think it's too on the nose for you it is do better do better <laughs> <laughs> You're like this is what I dream of every night. That's no. right. you know I wanted to bring that up. It won't. It. I thought it would have been a better segue because before you know, you already mentioned that you watched uh, Cash Plane and um, Money Plane. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hope it didn't Please. offend anybody. <laughs> also, they went to go rob Bitcoin. <laughs> it gets better. Cash Money Plane. Cash Money. Anyway, you were you didn't know that Edge was a. Fucking pro wrestler!
0: I knew so, Edge yeah. was a pro wrestler. Yeah, you, did. you didn't know? No, hundred percent. I didn't know it was and him you, because he had his hair up in a man bun. He always did on the show. Edge always yeah, had his hair and let he it down. He always. Had it I right only down. know my Edge with hair down. Also, you
1: referred to him I'm as Clark Little. Little. The Edge. That's also. Cool. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'd be <laughs> tired if he was in Money Plane. Oh, dude! dude he, he fell, fell off. <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. That is one of my favorite videos. Yeah, me too.
1: Oh, not so a fan, good. not a fan of that fucking band.
0: I, anyway, I'm we, a defender. Uh,
1: we, I mentioned a dream and I wanted you to talk about it on the show where you told me you keep, was it a dream or is that a real fear? Now I'm confused.
0: What? You talk about poop and worms. Oh yeah. It's a constant fear. It's a fear. It's not a dream. Every time, every time I make a bowel movement, which is, uh, approximately three times a day. <laughs> I mean, that's body horror.
1: You're worried that I'm
0: worried that worms are going to come out. Yeah, that'd be terrifying. And also, as a reminder, as I shared on this uh, podcast probably six months to a year ago, I did a tally of how many shits I've taken in my life. And roughly that's 40,000. I've taken (laughs) roughly 40,000. You can't prove it. No, I did. I did the math.
1: Did you work in the days where you're depressed and you're like, I only did it one time today? And you're wandering around the house.
0: Depression has nothing to do with your <laughs> no, bowel. No, you're depressed because you're not having bowel movements. I always have bowel. That's my problem. <laughs> I have too uh, minis. So
1: clog that shit up.
0: That's the issue. I've got to take. I've got to take the the food sensitivity test. I've just, I have to do it. I'm, At Everly,
4: Randy, what? you heard about this? I haven't. Sounds like a slippery slope, though. No,
0: it's, <laughs> no, it's a thing. It's like uh, It's like the twenty uh, three and Me. For uh, food sensitivity twenty three huh. yeah, it's like
4: then, getting allergy shots or something right oh pretty much God. i mean you, you
0: it you send in your blood, i mean you you prick your finger, they send the, you send the blood in, and then it breaks down of uh, all the food that you have sensitivity towards, and then you start your elimination I rate. don't know i you know googling is sixty bucks
1: googling it when the first four links are all ad. I don't know. That that's a it, bad sign. That means it's hot, baby. I know. But that's not always a good sign either. No, but, you know, daddy's got toilet issues. We need to,
0: <laughs> need to fig- figure out what's going on. Take some Imodium. Shut up. You don't think about worms? I do. I no, it's... And it's also, a, do you know the amount of shasimi I eat every
1: week? Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't you be more at risk at eating, like, a mammal? Like, if you hunted a mammal and killed it? I don't know, man. I think you'd I, have to worry about, about worms there. I, about
0: worms. I mean, I think that the sushi I eat's okay. I don't think I, I just need to have more faith in the process. Because like, now let's say I lived in, you know, you Kearney. You eat it all the time. I do. I ate it twice a week at least. Let's say I lived in Kearney, Nebraska, and I ate as much sushi as I do now. <laughs> I think that would that'd be a different story. You'd be dead. Also, I've never lived in a landlocked state. Okay, <laughs> So that's why I feel like, you know, but dude, you got to
1: be by the water. If I, yeah, I don't know. I like it. What about like a big river?
0: The Mississippi river. Yes. <laughs> that's what I was. <laughs> God, oh, Does that count? Dude, the Mississippi river is a it, God. The only thing it's lacking is that it's not on fire. Everything <laughs> else is just, is trash. Why? It's the most disgusting river ever. Really? Yes. Nah. Plus it's brackish. Because it goes into the Gulf of Mexico. So fucking, there are sharks in the Mississippi River. That's fucking cool. Sturgeon. <laughs> Have you ever seen a sturgeon? No. Google, Google sturgeon. That's, oh now that's your, um, nope. <laughs> I need to, I need to block you from there You go. so that you can, Stur- uh... There you go. Uh, so this is where you get caviar from. Nope. It's from sturgeon. Fuck but they look, they look prehistoric. They are terrifying. They are riddled. They riddled. They are. They've riddled the Mississippi River. (laughs) Also, you've got the Asian carp now. That's ruined. The the rivers in our country are just destroyed because we put in these Asian carp in there, and then they eat everything, and then nothing eats them, and they just overtake. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. They're is our trash fish. You can't do anything with them. And then same thing with boa constrictors in Florida these assholes get their little snakes and then either they realize they don't want them or they get too big or they escape and then they breed and have everyone has like 40 or 50. Florida's a mess right now. Everything's a mess.
1: I like Like, that you're taking a stand right now. No. Trying to help out Florida. I'm just worried about our ecosystem. (laughs) I'm not. I mean, well then do the thing that you need to do. Create a company
0: where you hunt these animals. Oh, I watch those YouTube videos all the time. Yeah, and they then go in there, they kill them snakes, get some government money out of it. They pull out, they they see all the sack of
1: eggs, and they just fucking. Rah, rah, rah. You would be terrified. You couldn't fuck a snake up. I killed
0: an alligator. <laughs> okay, I killed a snake. <laughs> I killed a snake when I was like eleven. How far away? With a gun? Uh, I know. I killed it with a a, a hoe. <laughs> <laughs> a garden hoe. It's not polite to refer to them. as The garden hoe is a perfect snake killing device. <sighs> There's too much. This of- was a copperhead. It was me or him, brother. Copper, What the hell were you doing? Copper- that- Mississippi's riddled with copperheads. I was- what I was doing? What I was doing, Russell, was living my life as an 11-year-old. That's what I was doing. <laughs> and this copperhead decided to impede on that. Is this where your fear of uh, limbless reptiles comes from? I hate snakes, man. I really do. I remember,
1: remember you, Lizards are suspect. We recorded an episode at uh, Madeline, RIP, her house when she was living out here. And uh, you have to walk by her reptile cages. I remember you kept saying, if she takes that fucking snake out. I can't <laughs> get <rid of> it. <laughs> I can't. I,
0: can, I don't. Uh, I, people who own snakes, it's, that's just, I cannot get on that wavelength. People who are not afraid of snakes, I don't understand it. I just don't. I appreciate it. Because, sure, they're, they're, all creatures are beautiful in some regard. Oh, speaking of that, did I tell you that um, our friend uh, Clark Little, uh, the Hawaiian surfing photographer, oh. has gotten in a little bit of heat, I think? Oh, I, I haven't really did there. <laughs> I really haven't followed a whole lot on it, but he released a video, Randy, where an oh, octopus yeah. was uh, essentially crawling or walking, whatever the hell they do, on the beach. Mm-hmm. And he released that it, it was a uh, CG. <laughs> and people flipped. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah. Like, I trust you, man. This is a betrayal. It, dude, he's just like, I put it in the caption that it was not real. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that thing
1: that we talk about where when you create an effective false reality and people buy into it. When they find out, they get fucking angry. Now, look, I'm not going to lie. I was a little pissed myself. Why? I trust him. You <laughs> fucking... I, well, I just imagine somebody opening the video and getting like way too excited yeah. and showing their family and be like, look, look. It's gnarly looking. I'm not watching it. It's gnarly. Yeah, go to Clark Little. Uh, look him up on Instagram. He's the one with a ton of followers. <laughs>
3: Correct. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who's active. I wish you were fucking active on social media. What are you
0: talking about? I crush it on there. Oh, I got a picture.
1: I got. I a said post. I was watching Money Plane and everything. We're talking about reptiles, and I almost forgot. I um, I did not bring up reptiles. I got my um severn package in, so we got Frankie. Frankie came in, yeah, and I went out back and I was going to take a picture of it when I got attacked from up in the deck. I was attacked by a little, what a little lizard. Yeah, I got. I got to post that. I don't know why I'm so excited. I'm, I'm okay about... with lizards. He was climbing up through the deck, dude. That's tight. What? There's nothing but vegetation under there. Now you know what I just realized. We're talking a bunch about reptiles, <laughs> yeah, and we're not confirmed with our guest. That would have been a great segue. So I'm not going to bring it up because you know the minute oh, we mention true. who it well, is, a it's loose fine. Segue. We got we had other things to talk about last week. Kevin, I uh, I briefly mentioned that that Thor movie thor the mighty yes thor el conquistador very briefly you said it for about 38 seconds i know it's really quick um if you go on the overlook theater blog i put it i did like a mini show notes it's really only got the cobra clip of the week and uh that full movie so i highly recommend if you're into bizarre italian film and or fantasy films go watch it on there the full movie oh for two on that yeah and then um (laughs) much wait what (laughs)
0: The on two, the two list of criteria, I'm 0 for 2 on both of those.
1: Yeah, um, that is true. Well, you like Italian. You like spaghetti westerns. I uh, see. Yeah. I like. This is like a pasta fantasy. I like a, the spaghetti. Um, and then uh, Ginko Gino. Yeah, we, di- we did another isolation thing. Again, when this goes up, we jump on a Twitch pretty much at 8 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. Clark came in for two seconds. Okay, I was in for Every, like a half hour. Everybody gets very excited. Let me, <laughs> yeah,
0: they, let me explain something to you. Y'all should have been more excited, frankly, because I had to download an app. I had to create a profile just so I could you say. You should have had to download an app. I had to download the Twitch oh, app. To yeah, com- you do. Yeah, yeah you got to gotta do the whole thing. Yeah. Do you know how much work I put in to watch you chuckle fucks on? There? I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
1: I, <laughs> um, by the time you joined, I was wasted. I had taken an edible. Prior to it, because I knew I was going to force Chuggy to. Normally, Chuggy won't drink with us. Yes, he survived a mall shooting. I know he's a little bit of a wreck since then. But I was like, dude, it'll well, calm me down. You've got to stop that. <laughs> I've got to stop it. You
0: refer to him as real. our
1: Beetlejuice.
0: He is way more <laughs> Beetlejuice.
1: No, he's not. Cue up the clip. All right, I'll cue it up. <laughs> what we just really?
5: say? I thought you'd be a big <laughs> Obama a guy. Wow, I can't believe it. A lot of people say it to me. A lot of people say they don't like him because he's a piece of garbage. He don't do shit.
1: <laughs> that, was, that was Beetlejuice talking about Obama. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> On Howard Man. Stern like 20 uh. years
1: ago or some shit.
0: Randy, did you ever listen to Howard
1: Stern? Not really. I'm mean, a... It's not a Randy show. Randy's not going to call and be like, hey, Howard, show, get her to show her tits. Randy wouldn't get anything out of Beetlejuice. No, and that's that's why I you know you already canceled my bit with Randy. All right, I got fucking canceled. Randy hashtag me to me. Are you ever? <laughs> because you're you straight up told Chuggy you're our Beetlejuice dude. Like <laughs> Charles is our Beetlejuice. If you don't know who Beetlejuice is, tw- Google him, Bing him. Google's evil, and um, I, he survived them all shooting. It's heroic what he did. God, i kept thinking he was <laughs> watching spider-man but he was actually down he actually found this out on isolation he was down there getting uh mr lemming or whatever mr Lem Lem. and then he was going to spider-man yeah because he was going to the movie but i mean he was fucking it was the matrix dude he was bending over dodging bullets <laughs> of course he was going to get boba <laughs> if he's walking he's he's got a boba in his hand anyway uh on twitch that whole video is up oxana has been inspired by the whole thing. She bought a new computer and is gonna start doing video editing. Maybe. I, I'm right now I am publicly uh okay. putting it out there so we can shame her in a month when it hasn't happened or congratulate her. Um yeah it Chuggy played the first game which was a puppet combo game too. It's pretty good. Oh really? Like, you played a
0: puppet combo?
1: Yeah and he Chuggy's a wimp. <gasps> dude, I you know i wish I, i'll come over if y'all let me play you Puppet oh they, they got the. they joined the patreon they got them all they have all the games you should play too dude randy clark is great with the fucking horror game he came over to my really? house and played friday the 13th
0: that's terrifying
1: in you know in um back when i was over in a uh, daily city and yeah. you know it was kind of like an open garage it wasn't the best environment for it clark fucking screamed <laughs> <laughs> it was weird because you were instantly terrified and then you were instantly composed. But yeah, cuz it happened. We just went ah, and then you're just like, "Oh, that was terrifying." And then <laughs> you're just like back in it. It's just a jump scare. Yeah. Well, it not even. I think it was just a music cue. <laughs> so, but not it was like you know, BGM. It wasn't even like a I, mean, I don't know. It was like, fucking good. You be good. I it. just
0: I process things very quickly and then I move on. That's how I'm so successful in life. <laughs> I'd have to agree. <laughs> i think you nailed it all right i'll play the puppet combo games yeah isolation
1: i got wasted by the end of it are you Um, gonna get randy in there randy's never gonna come out you know i would ask randy in a year when he um comes out of the bubble randy you would do it
4: i I would do it sans uh coronavirus or if there was yes very little coronavirus yeah i'm very bad at video games though so it'd probably be funny
1: now for a little show context a little inside baseball if you watch the show, you will notice that me and Chris, we butt heads as far as production goes. Chris and David like to run a tight ship and be like very professional. And the thing is, they can do it technically, but on the show it's like, nobody cares about this shit. Like if you're tuning into Twitch, you should just be relaxed and whatever. Because what we're doing is we're watching gummo TV. You know what I mean? Like we're in the (laughs) fucking basement right now with some curtains hung up and we're drinking like
0: gummo tv
1: yeah <laughs> i mean i mean ugh. i'd subscribe with <laughs> six bucks a month <laughs> well shit when we move to ohio with grant we'll really make it happen
0: fucking little rabbits yeah um rabbits smell yeah. like again
1: isolation should be going up this week i i don't know who our guest is the week after though we should have a big guest not not gonna jinx that one either wait what do we um not this show Isolation show. Oh yeah, that's right. Keith Carradine's coming up. Keith Carradine. <laughs> Woo. We've dug him up. We're gonna get Keith
3: Carradine
1: <laughs> killed by coronavirus if we drag oh, him out. No, he's too handsome. He, he's got so much vitamin D. That's true. <laughs> Rogan's got him hooked up to it. He's taking five thousand <laughs> IU's a day. so comfort good. Also, I can't believe I fucking listen to Joe Rogan now. I don't know why. He's too popular. Randy. Russ is addicted to Joe Rogan now. <laughs> really. It's I listen practically. Okay. I'm going to try and give a real number. Oh, five and a half hours of podcast minimum Monday through Friday. A day. Yeah.
0: yeah a day.
4: I think I'm yeah. there with you.
0: I used to do that. I don't anymore. I need it. I can't do it. And I had to get yelled at by Texans.
1: Well, the thing is, you know, you got your go-tos. Like I love my scary thoughts or my local, like, you know, three friends. And, uh, it's just, you know, they're not posting all the time. It's once a week, which is a lot. Yeah. But it's, it's like, God, dude, I'm Monday through Friday. I'm listening to four hours of political radio to like <laughs> pad that pretty much. And then it's like, what do I got? I got Rogan. Who the fuck's on Rob Lowe? No, not today. I have <laughs> only heard clips of the Rob Lowe's pretty good. You should probably listen. To that. Uh, I probably will. Cause I run out of shit. And, um, anyway randy who likes to recommend me podcast and then clark who doesn't like me to talk about them on our podcast correct uh recommended me one the uh american cinematech show now that uh, our buddy um uh i'm trying not to talk yeah <laughs> Bartok, dennis we call him mr boring um, randy it's Denis. <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah so you know our our la brethren down there uh it's a theater company. Theaters aren't open right now. So I guess what? They, they started making a show. I'll tell you, it's pretty good. In that episode, they talk a lot about Dennis Hopper and his films. You know, Easy Rider, uh, American Movie. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. It's pretty good. They It's got a cool production. They got interesting people who are knowledgeable. I think there was like a screenplay writer on there with them who works at the place. And they use interviews and are spliced. And it's pretty good you know it it really woke me up to how stuffy that shit is though yeah i was telling randy it god it feels like you're in an old theater when you're listening to it which is kind of cool because you know i'm into that but you know you jump from like one of our our buddies podcasts who do film and then you go into that it's like i feel like i'm with the old folks right now (laughs) right randy i'm not crazy there
4: yeah it definitely feels like uh you know, like a DVD or Blu-ray, like special feature or something, which is cool. It's just, uh, you know, not usually, you know, it's not what we do type of thing. So it's definitely very yeah, different. They don't, they don't talk about hot dogs and pussy. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, I'm excited to listen to it. They have like 30 years of just audio recordings of interviews and stuff that they've done, like through the American Tech. So... It'll be uh, interesting to see what the next topics are. Yeah, so
1: th- that was pretty cool. They used a lot of their own interviews that they had recorded there.
4: Yeah. And
1: you know, you know what bummed me out too. They open up the show and it's like, all right, we're talking about 1970. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this <laughs> hasn't been covered in film before. Yeah. And Yeah. I mean, clearly, you know, the overlook thing started from a fear of me uh, being way too stupid to weigh in with people that work at like the cinema Yeah. And finding, you know, safe ground in talking about bad Ben. <laughs> so lamb. <laughs> yeah. Um, Oh, you got anything up top you want to <sighs> mention? Yeah.
0: I got to mention we, I need a new setup. What are you talking about? Bed? You got to live in a hammock now. No, I switched my bed. So I'm talking about this mic stand.
3: Yeah. it was
1: weird. I saw you like a couple days ago or whatever. And yeah. you're like, don't, don't worry. And I'm like, what? And you're like, I moved my bed again.
0: It no, was the you were, you were knocking You were knocking on my door. And before I opened the door, I said, "Don't freak out." Oh yeah, (laughs) and I just opened the door. It was the weirdest thing because I just flopped my bed around. Why would I freak out? Because I just I knew that the commentary was coming. So why'd you do that? Yeah, I know.
3: You got to do it, and I
0: just tried to beat you off at the pass. You could beat me off whatever (laughs) you want. (laughs) But yeah, now I now I, now when I masturbate, I don't have to see a uh, reflection of myself in the uh, closet mirror. It works for Jasati so, so. Five. <laughs> oh, <was> that- <laughs> hey, to ease their own, man. To ease their own. Was to that eat- a- oh, okay. No, sorry, that was the White Claw. I thought that was the pot. This is.
1: I'm forcing myself to drink this. <laughs> it's fucking you up. That's why you don't want to drink it. No, I can
3: like Dude, yeah. I don't. I. I don't consume alcohol much anymore, <laughs> and I'm fine with it. Yeah, I agree. I'm
0: just like, it's not, I don't know. I like I like, a, I like the marijuanas more. Alcohol is, uh, it gets messy. Weed doesn't get very messy,
3: because you just go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know?
0: I
1: fucking hate that, though. I, I
0: love it. Yeah. See, Russ, that's, I mean, sleep is the best thing we have. Because it's the closest we have to death without dying. (laughs) Just do it, then.
2: That is my nightly (laughs) prayer.
1: Why do you think I keep rosary beads next to my bed? What do you think that rope is hanging in my corner? Are you going to put that by the mirror? I'm not a NASCAR driver. I think that would reveal something. People that put the noose in front of a mirror. What does that do? I don't know. It's a fucking sick individual. Sounds like host.
0: Hell yeah. I like hosts. Host is great. Madeline's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Send us your (laughs) comments at podcast.overlookfader.com.
1: We'll be right back. And she said that she was going to do a two-sentence horror story and did not. Thank you again, David Robson. It's the best one ever. Your move. Your move. Your move, Madeline. RIP.
0: All right. Randy Michael. Yes, sir. What you got for us, my brother?
4: Yeah. So I watched a Serbian film called uh, <laughs> i watched a serbian movie called the load which uh played some festi- festivals and stuff in uh 2019 Ran- Randy, i don't uh, i don't mean to put the cart in front of the horse here but there's plenty of loads <laughs> in a serbian film <laughs> yeah i haven't seen it but this is what i've heard
0: have you really not seen it
4: no i mean yeah when i don't you know. know i i got the gist of it you know Oh. You need to get the
1: jizz up Did there. you see the tweet <laughs> that uh, Clark put out there?
4: I uh, don't I remember. Mm. Oh.
1: Yeah,
4: <laughs> that was, yeah, good it was pretty good.
1: That was a good picture. That was good lighting.
0: Change that to your profile picture. It should. <laughs> <laughs> Being a mangled
4: nine-inch wiener. <laughs> Which so, yeah, there's a, a, a <laughs> Serbian movie called The Load that you could rent now on iTunes and other places, I believe. Uh, I think it was like a $6 or $7 rental. Not bad. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce the director's name because I don't have any clue how to, but, uh, it's a 96 minute movie, uh, that takes place with this truck driver. Uh, his name is Vlada and he, um, is delivering a mysterious, uh, car load or truck load, um, of, of stuff that he has no idea what it is, but, um, He's hired to deliver from Kosovo to Belgrade and the movie takes place during 1999 during the NATO bombings of Serbia. So I don't know too much about the history of uh, this event or what was happening back then, but, um, the movie isn't like overtly heavy about it either. Um, you're kind of just like experiencing this guy's like ride from, uh, one place to the next delivering, some mysterious cargo. Um, so yeah, it basically it, it starts and he gets this assignment and says, hey, like you're not to stop. Uh, you should avoid traffic, avoid any sort of unwanted attention. Like don't get pulled over essentially because, you know, there's, there's something back here that you probably wouldn't want other people to see. Now, right, right. Let me cut you
0: out. Let me ask you this. So is this part, is this his normal routine where he, he does this normally or is this like a special deal?
4: It seems like he's done it several times before. Okay. Uh, and then there's like a bunch of other guys too, like in the beginning that are like getting a similar assignment to just like, yeah, drive trucks across, across Serbia.
0: So they know that there there could be some shady business.
4: Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And you get a, it takes a little bit to get a, a hint of what may be back there, but you kind of get, um, an idea, but, uh, yeah, basically like when the trip starts, uh, shit hits the fan a little bit, like right away. He needs to cross this bridge and there's like a burning vehicle, like literally blocking the way of the bridge. So he's like, well, how am I supposed to get out of here? And uh, he like stops through this little village and kind of like asks for directions. There's a kid that he meets that is like, hey, I'm from the town that you're supposed to go to. Like, I can give you directions um, if you let me catch a ride with you. And he's like, "Uh, no, because, you know, I'm supposed to deliver this thing. Well, I mean, he doesn't explain why, but he's essentially like, no. But uh, the kid hops along on the back of the vehicle. And then, um, yeah, eventually, you know, he kind of finds out that uh, the kid is, kid is with him and they sort of drive along together for a little bit. Um, but yeah, the movie, I actually it really dug it. It's just like an observational uh, movie of this experience that he's going through and kind of like the sort of, like, landscape um, of Serbia during this time. So, like, the production value, like, looked super realistic. Like, there's bombings in the background that look very real. Uh, there's multiple fires in the movie that definitely don't look CG. I'm pretty sure they're not CG.
0: Um,
4: yeah, and it's just, like, this uh, really observational camera. It does these, like, cool, like, 360 pans that are kind of slow. Uh, it's not really, like, a thriller or anything. It's just kind of, like, yeah, this guy's experience of um, you know this weird job that he has now due to like economic situations in Serbia and sort of the uh, the consequences of of what he has to do.
1: Now, what what is the overall picture of Serbia that this film is painting?
4: Um, I mean, it it's pretty bleak. Like you know, it doesn't the landscape doesn't look super pretty. Um, it actually kind of looks a little bit like a, a Tarkovsky film. Oh. Um, just like the way the uh, sort of the landscape looks and the like the colors of everything. Um, So it's like kind of like gray, kind of like dark and like sort of bland looking like, yeah, essentially. Yeah. It looks like Serbia is not in a great place. Tarkovsky meets AJ and the queen. Sure. I don't know
1: that (laughs) second one. (laughs) AJ and the queen was about, you know, RuPaul going on a tour and then like little kids, 19
0: people saw that. I know.
1: (laughs) And, it, and Netflix burned it, so it's gone now. No, but... So, Serbian film was a... I love how RuPaul did a Lone Wolf and Cub remix. <laughs> <laughs> and um, very confusing show. I watched all of it. It's fucking weird.
0: Bobcat directed a bunch of those. Didn't yeah.
1: It? I, it, I can't tell you that it was just bad. It was weird, though. Um, Like, they did an episode about a girl who had breast reductions, and they were talking about how
3: yeah i should get chest plate
1: and then it's fucking weird i mean i think they actually made some pretty good points in there but it's lost in bizarre content anyway serbian film they made that movie as a protest against their government's kind of old school hollywood system of only good narratives can come out of here because the country was not very happy yeah and you know they want their government shown a certain way and the country but this film was bleak as fuck though I'm curious it, did it play in Serbia? It looks like it got its money from a uh, international um look at that. I don't know. Serbia, I have France, uh, Croatia, Iran, Qatar. Yeah. Oh, weird.
4: Qatar. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's uh like I said the Electric film Qatar. isn't like very heavy about like telling you how bleak it is, but you can kind of just see it in the way that the landscape looks like while he's driving through through the country
0: weird
1: but Also, yeah I don't there's
4: just cra- like a it's a good road movie it's just like this guy driving around
0: <laughs> love a road movie i'm talking fast and furious <laughs> talking driving miss daisy
1: talking all those youtube videos we watch that come out of uh, serbia and russia
0: now randy let me ask you this uh-huh. do you
3: ever find out what he's hauling Uh, Is it a MacGuffin? No, it's
1: not a MacGuffin. Okay, then we find out. Okay. It's people. It's sex Yeah, that's (laughs) what I'm saying, man. Like I
0: don't (laughs) want this to be human trafficking, man.
4: No. Which I have But uh, I mean, it's definitely, yeah, it gets dark, but I don't want to spoil it for anybody. So it's not season two of The Wire? No.
3: Okay. Good.
0: You don't remember that? I barely remember that.
3: Randy, what the fuck? Randy, you didn't make it
0: past episode three. I made it through season three. You gave up after Hamsterdam?
4: Yeah. <laughs> I didn't give up. It's just on a long pause. It's a hiatus. Oh, there you
0: go. All right. Well, you got to get on season four, brother.
4: All right. One of these days.
0: Season four is most people's favorite season. It's good. It's great. Yeah. Hamsterdam's better. <laughs> All right. Randy, uh, you also saw... Uh, uh, what, what, what is this? You going back-to-back Amy Simetz on us?
4: Yeah. Also, back to back road movies in this episode. So, uh, I'm actually going to uh, go rogue on this one. I will just mention that. Uh, yeah, Amy Simons. We talked about her new movie. Uh, she dies tomorrow last week with Madeline. Yep. Uh, and her previous film, Sundown Shine, is available both on Criterion Channel and Mubi. Uh, yeah, and it's a road movie that kind of feels a little bit like Badlands. Uh, it takes place in Florida. Uh, a lot of really good cinematography, and uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. Where in and Florida? Then, um, I think like the Everglades.
3: Oh, that's good, Florida.
4: Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. You could tell. Hard. So yeah, Amy Simons is is from Florida, so it definitely feels personal in the sense that uh, there's certain like landmarks and places. Uh, and, like, sets of highway that, like, she wanted to capture. And I think she does a really good job of just, um, yeah, portraying, like, a really cool, moody, sort of, like, neo-noir uh, type thriller.
0: I also have a crush on Caitlin Sheel. She looks uh, troubled and damaged and my Q-zone, baby.
4: She's very cute, for sure. <laughs> also wanted to uh, briefly recommend a movie and see if Clark has seen it. It's a documentary on Netflix, oh. 40 minute documentary. So can't I'm do much that? better than that. Called the speed cubers. No.
0: Oh, you know what, Randy? I passed this by in my journeys during Netflix yesterday. I have not seen this.
4: It's uh it's pretty good. It's uh, a documentary about, uh, mostly about these two, uh, kids. Uh, one's his name is max park and the other is Felix, Zemdegs. Uh, so Max is from the US and Felix is from Australia, I believe. And yeah, it's about um, speed cubing, which is uh, for Rubik's Cubes. <laughs> so people that can solve Rubik's Cubes incredibly fast. And there's people that do it with their feet. Uh, and yeah, all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, three block uh, Rubik's Cubes, like four by fours, five by five, six by six. <laughs> But it's, uh, it's mostly we about the way that you beat me to it. <laughs> it's mostly about, uh, yeah, these two individuals. So Max, uh, actually has autism and, um, he I really mean, admires advantage.
1: He's cheating. Yeah.
4: <laughs> he really well, admires Felix. You, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so they're like rivals essentially, but they're super, super nice to each other. Like I've never seen the great British baking show or whatever, but you're sleeping. I've heard people say that, like, it's just everybody's incredibly nice to each other on that show.
0: They're very sweet.
4: And that's kind of what I got out of this documentary. Like, these kids, Max is younger than Felix, and he beats, like, a bunch of Felix's records, and then Felix kind of wants to get some of them back. But, like, they're super, super nice about it. And, um, yeah, it's it's a really touching documentary. I started it, had no idea how long it was, and I was surprised and also kind of glad that it was only 40 minutes just because i feel like no because like i honestly wanted more by the time it ended but i feel like with a lot of netflix documentaries you know they like feel like it needs to be at least 90 minutes to make it like a movie when you want more they've succeeded for sure
0: and we don't get that because i very rarely do i feel like i want more in today's atmosphere yeah. film. of documentary. Like I've had too or, much.
1: Well, documentary is weird because in a film you could pad it, or you could create drama. But if there's nothing in a documentary, brother, that's, trying all, to that's, make that's all. That's all documentaries
0: now is yeah. padding because they all want to be TV series.
1: Yeah, so it's all padding.
0: Well, that's what happens when you
1: give a fucking eight hour OJ documentary all these awards <laughs> and shit. Oh, dude, I tell you what though.
0: <laughs> I stand by the O.J. one. <laughs> I stand by it. It's really good. Now, this Last Dance bullshit, I don't know. I'm never going to watch that. Is that the Epstein one?
4: No, that's the uh, Michael Jordan. Yeah. Oh.
0: That was close.
4: <laughs> now, Randy,
0: you started that, did you not?
4: Yeah, I'm six episodes in.
0: Oh, my God. How many are there?
4: Ten, I think. Oh, and they're all an Spike hour? Lee shows up in episode six, so you're good. No. <laughs>
0: Piece of
1: garbage. <laughs> I heard there's a great privileged moment where Michael Jordan is gambling with the last person in the stadium, who's a security guard, and they're in a giant hallway, and it's just them throwing fucking dice against a wall.
4: Have you gotten there? No, I haven't gotten into the gambling stuff yet.
1: Well, I, I heard you know a lot of people talk about it, and they're just like, you know, they they don't want to make them look bad, and they're yeah. like, that was really the only time where you're like. I mean, he's got a problem,
0: like bad, like a bad problem. Here's the yeah. thing, man, like, and I, from what I understand, he did not want that documentary to get. No, out. he did not. Michael Jordan is at a level where you cannot mess with him. It's just at that level. Illuminati. In, in terms of, of unless. A globalist. He, unless he <laughs> was the cause of all the hookers in the storage in, in season two of The Wire. Like <laughs> unless something horrible like that were to be tied back to Michael Jordan. You, you can't unseat that.
3: Nah.
0: He, he is America. Michael Jordan is America. <laughs> and you can't rise to that level. You can't be that level of competitor that Michael Jordan was without being ruthless yeah and having that drive and that's all that is the gambling it's the same drive it's the same drive that taught him to be the best basketball player he could be
1: well i think you know it's just, you
0: can't turn that off it's a vice too which i think you know when sure but the mind doesn't know that
1: well he's he's just got a very narrow focus so i think when he's doing something he's like all in but just it's that drive you can't turn that off i know but in a documentary when you when you're painting a scene with a frame and film It just begs the question, how they get here? You know what I mean? Like, and it's so interesting to me. I I just, I don't think I could put up, I mean, I was a big Bulls fan in that era. I I don't know if I want to relive it, though. Hated the Bulls. Yeah. Hated the Bulls. Hated Jordan. You got a lot of hate in your heart. Yeah. Right (laughs) (laughs) out. Randy, you got any more uh, Puzzle Box kings or anything you're talking about? Puzzle Box?
4: (laughs) No. Puzzle Box? I might buy one, see if I can figure out how to do it, though. A puzzle
1: box? Oh, Randy. Don't do that, dude. Santa to a Rubik's cube. Oh, okay.
0: God, Randy, we've been waiting on you
4: to get a <laughs> Rubik's cube for about six years.
0: <laughs> <sighs> Did yeah, I definitely watched this because I, I saw it and was like ah, oh, this could be. But yeah, you saw, it's forty minutes. I do like. I think you dig it. I do like documentaries, and one of my favorite documentaries of all time. And it's not a great documentary. Um, is Spellbound? Don't know it. Oh, I yeah. love that thing. I've watched, I've seen that thing probably five, six times. Um, but it's all about... A sp- sp- uh, <laughs> not the Hitchcock not film. Not the Hitchcock film, no. Um. So not, probably early 2000s, maybe 2003, Fucking 2004, Netflix, 2002.
3: 2002.
0: Yeah, about the uh, National Spelling Bee. Oh. Man, I love the Spelling Bee. Well, you like children,
1: <laughs> and I don't mean that in any derogative or foul way. Thank you way. so much. No, Clark is very good with kids. Um, I'm on their level mentally. You also like people. You like characters.
0: Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's great. It's uh, you also
1: like dumb games or like it's true. Get a fucking documentary about an arcade. You'll watch that five times too.
0: There's some good documentaries. Yeah, if about you that. can
1: name famous arcade like video game players from the '80s. Do you know
0: how many times I've seen I know you've mentioned The the King King of of Kong? Kong. (laughs) I've seen that at least ten times. Why? That is the only movie in my life where as soon as I as soon as the movie ended, I started it over again. Why? I don't know. I just had an impulse to do it. Have you never replayed a movie? Oh man. That's the only one. I think
1: I've I can't pull it. I, I think I've done it like one time. Just very. Oh no! You know what? I I can remember this, and I was inebriated, so I think that kind of takes away the power. But I remember seeing the room at uh, the clay, (laughs) and then returning home very drunk and throwing it right back on and watching it again.
4: But I I watched uh, not purposely. Well, sort of, I guess. But I watched Yes Man back to back once. The Jim Carrey film. Yeah. We were on tour and uh, we were on the East Coast. We were in Virginia and we got warning of a, a tropical storm happening. And so like the next like four shows or something got canceled and they were like essentially said that like we were safe where we were. So we got this like crappy, just like cheap hotel that had like two stations and they were showing Yes Man. So we watched it and then it ended and then they played it again. And we had nowhere to go because <laughs> nothing was open. So we're like, fuck, I guess we're watching Yes Man twice. Well, you could have changed the channel, right? There was literally like nothing else on. I don't remember yeah. exactly like, where yes we were. Yes Man was on. And you weren't drinking then. That was straight edge. Right? <laughs> yeah, true. would be
0: right now? I stand by Yes Man. Oh. It's fun. He's got uh, Luis Guzman playing uh, Third Eye Blind in the window. <laughs> you remember that part? I feel like yep. you do seen it twice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is it my turn? Uh, right, I think so. Cue me, cue me up. Uh, yesterday, I saw three motion pictures yesterday. I feel like it was a good, fruitful Saturday. Randy, I did my normal thing, even though I didn't go to my normal um, grocery store. I went to the Trader Joe's. I had a pleasant experience there. Unfortunately, I had to engage in conversation with the, the uh, security guy at the door. Trader Joe's is <laughs> the only grocery store that, uh, like... They take it very seriously and but it's a little annoying, so you can't they don't open to a the little. public
1: Let's see what we did there
0: they don't open to people under the age of sixty five until nine a m but if you get there at between eight and nine, they let all the seniors in, but if there's room in the store, they'll let other people in
1: but Ooh, seniors, i don't like that
0: seniors get priority no they- I don't, I'm not eight, down with that Between 8 and 9 every day seniors get priority Hey
1: you know what I am a free market man Small government and I think Businesses should be making it work Be safe and healthy Don't fucking mix the old people Yeah, Costco does a thing where they have Two hours early and it's Only senior and then They're done and then other people can come in later I feel like that's the right way to do TJ's it DJ's mix it
0: up it, Yeah, but They're risky over there <laughs> But I, I went in there, got the TJs, and I also uh, got a new thing at the Wendy's breakfast. As Russell, as you know, I eat a Wendy's breakfast every weekend. Our Wendy's is fucking good. I started getting that holiday. Randy, burger. I tried. Fuck. I tried that um that frosty Chino. Oh, oh yeah, how is that? It's not terrible. Now, as you should, as you know, I don't like iced coffee, and I don't drink any of that sugary coffee shit.
3: Yeah,
0: but. When it does taste like a frosty oven. Okay.
1: I have to (laughs) to rewind there a little bit. Sugary coffee shit. If it was some chemical mimicking sugar, you would be down. If it
0: was zero sugar. No, 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 no. I do not like sugary coffee drinks. I've been against it from day one. You can look me up on that. You can dox me on that shit, brother. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I do not like sugary coffee drinks. i do you today. I don't, put, I don't monkey with my coffee. Now, sometimes, if only I feel like my stomach is a little rumbly, I'll put a little bit of lactose-free milk in there. That way it's not oh my that God. strong acidic. But I drink my coffee
1: fucking up. straight and black. You're backwards. I think you should be getting a, a frosty Chino. You know yeah. what? I'd try it. Do you, I know, my, fucking- you know my sugars in time, bitch?
3: Oh, probably All like, the yeah, probably a whole <laughs> bag. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's probably garbage. It probably rots your heart. <sighs> Diabetic. Before, yeah. But you know what you do that drives me fucking crazy? Give it to me. You get Cola Slurpees. They're the, the best thing. Does the gro- Are you kidding Get a goddamn
0: me? soda. That's the, no, the Coke slushy is the best. Wrong. Is the best. Blue
1: and red. Blue
3: Mix. and pass. <laughs>
1: I'd refer to them as a flavor but it's a lie we all know that. Pass Blue and red mix. Coke slushy. Next question please. And you know, you got to check it first too cuz if it's liquidy, if it's like runny diarrhea shit,
0: pass. 7-Eleven last summer had a uh blueberry lavender. That was actually pretty good. Although the lavender I could do without cuz it kind of tastes like you're tasting your laundry. Yeah. But the aroma's too close. Yeah, I don't, I don't need uh I don't need flowers in there. Like rosewater, what? I, I God, you give me anything with rosewater. I'm the John Stewart film. Project? Oh yeah, that fourteen people saw.
1: Two of them are here. Ugh. I've never seen I, it. Oh okay, yes, man, you're getting shamed by rosewater. All right, Clark. I'm so sorry. Watched
0: three motion pictures yesterday. Uh, one of which Russell and I saw together. Now again, I brought all that stuff about what I was doing on Saturday. Uh, so typically. Russ and Oksana, you you guys come down around eleven thirty twelve, yeah, probably. And ten o'clock, y'all were y'all were dressed and ready to party. Well, that's when you saw me. I had already worked out, I taking know. a that cold was, shower. That was wild. I'm I'm dude. I'm did y'all did y'all not have a late Friday night? Because again, it was not pretty, really. pretty quiet on a Friday.
1: I think we we were done at eleven. That's what it sounded yeah, like. Yeah. Well, All Stars is over. We watch uh, Canada Drag Race, and then we watch like fucking. I don't know. We watched something else. But Catfish is coming back next week and I'm very <laughs> excited. I actually I think they're doing it all online, which I think is going to be a fucking shit really? show, but I'm kind of, I'm down for that too. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the format. I okay. like Jerry Springer, you know what I mean? Yeah, Let's get some fucking poems <laughs> in here, yeah. <laughs> it's smut TV. You know like I know what it is. Cheaters, my favorite.
0: Did you ever see Jerry Springer's movie Ringmaster?
1: Oh, I don't know. It's pretty good. I did order one of yeah, his I'm, pay-per-views. It's pretty so. good. It's not good.
0: Oh yeah. So but is it
1: better than Howard Stern's fucking? I like film? I like private parts. Oh I fucking hate it. You hate private parts? Yeah, I, I like hate private it.
0: parts. I would watch private parts right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw three motion pictures yesterday. So uh, Russell Noxana came down. We watched a movie we'll talk about later. Then I watched a movie that I'll talk about this movie, and then the final movie I'll talk about right now. All right. <laughs>
1: Not i'm excited
0: i can't wait to get it going i was just uh going through shutter as i re-upped my shutter subscription and then canceled it immediately because that's typically how I, I own it operate it's hooked up to the fucking projector shutter yeah it's on the but Roku. i was in my room oh okay i do this thing where i'll, I'll watch something down there i go in my room and i, yeah, I gotta I know, go back and forth it seems like strange. no it seems like i'm doing things oh, if i just <laughs> yeah, stay in change, the room you gotta change the scenery all day wait say, say again randy yeah you gotta change the scenery. Exactly, I'm stuck in this house, so why not go to different rooms? Yeah, I get it. Come in this room, play on my Super Nintendo.
1: It's very annoying, you
3: know.
0: Yeah, Randy on run. the
1: goddamn podcast table, he put a TV. <laughs> saw. Up.
3: Yeah, what the fuck?
1: Ah, uh, all right.
0: Go talk about your movie and then your movie. So from 2017, possibly 2018, it's depending on what website you look at. I saw like me, uh. From Robert Mockler. Now, if you look up Robert Mockler, this is the only thing that he is credited with. All right. In 2017, Um, this was picked up by Kino Lorber and uh, Glass Eye picks from our Lord and Savior Larry Fessenden, who shows up in this meaty role. This is a big, this is a good role for Larry Fessenden. He's great in this. Uh, Russ, can you just scroll up to the top there so I can read the uh, summary? Yeah. Um, a young woman sets out on a crime spree that she broadcasts on social Ooh, media. I'm in. Uh, this movie is very ambitious. It is a very lively camera. It is... They go for it, man, it, with very little money. But it looks beautiful. Um, very dreamlike sequences um, here and there. the driving force of the story you you don't get a whole lot of information as to what's going on. essentially, this girl has a YouTube show and it it opens up with her going to this very strange convenience store that is a drive through it's a drive through convenience store um russell the uh the attendant at the uh gas station. Well, the at the convenience store, uh, was the gentleman who played Tex Montana. Oh, that's that gentleman. I, also I showed up know, in, um, I'm sure he's good though. after midnight. And, um, I mean, he, he you know, he writes and directs his own, but uh, he, he opens up the movie as the, the attendant there. And she basically does pranks on people and gets followers. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of reaction videos, uh, that we are privy to, as a part of the movie. And she essentially holds up, uh, the convenience store with a fake gun and he urinates himself. And that video goes viral. Uh, but he chases her out of the place and, um, she sort of gets a huge following after that video. So she's, she's trying to figure out how she needs to step it up every week. And the second video, she picks up a homeless guy, (laughs) and uh they go in there they go to an ihop oh fuck and that. they get all the food and then he bails and then she goes to this he mot- bailed on her yeah and then they go to a motel holiday she goes to a motel uh <laughs> where larry fessenden runs the motel oh dude he's a great hotel runner. yes <laughs> and uh she entraps him wait wasn't he doing that
1: same gig in um fucking uh Jarmusch's film when Selena Gomez came in with her little crew.
3: Oh, right? oh yeah. Don't die. Yeah. He was dead from
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I believe that was a motel though. Um, anyway, I'm
0: sorry. He's definitely a
1: Motel. Yeah. Motel. If you heard <laughs> that little thing, that was Madeline girl. She was asking if she should plug our show on scary thoughts. Cause I booked her on there. They're going to go talk about hosts. Hell so everybody yeah. listening now go check that out. And yes, Madeline plug the damn show. <laughs> anyway. You may have said it when I was frantically trying to get my fucking app to work. Yeah. Is it all in-world camera we're dealing with here? No. Oh, man. No, it is not. You know, it doesn't cost any more money to do it. And it makes the product unique. But I... (sighs) It, how, what did you think would it have benefited from being all in world or did they work it
0: no because as i said this thing is very ambitious yeah. and there's a lot of um
1: you don't think that would be ambitious though to have like a, a whole live stream kind of
0: watch the movie okay I, because I, I, to, yeah. I because i think that the direction and the mood that he sets i don't think that that could have been achieved in world camera okay um for whatever sense that you can make out of that but
1: well, if you're um, if you're making a more character-heavy film, like and it's really about a journey of a character, I don't think in-world camera works for that. So essentially, she unless your webcast, she
0: entraps Larry Fessenden into thinking that um, he has a chance to sleep with her. Um, don't ruin anything. There is a theme of her being underage. Where's that? So buzzard? we th- <laughs> So we think. So we think that this is a hard candy situation. Uh, but she ties him up to the bed and then, um, don't ruin starts shoving food down his gullet and then he throws up everywhere. There's a lot of throw up. Are we in the right. third act right now? No, this is uh this is end of act one. Probably. Okay. Okay. Um, and then she realizes that, uh, for whatever reason she just kidnaps him. And so now this is a road movie with dude all he's in the back he's in the back of the car and she's just trying to figure out how to keep her followers up um she ends (laughs) up doing things they realize that they are similar and that uh she's she's really this is sort of a self-discovery for her and she realizes that she's very similar to him and even though that they come from very different um you know Walks of life. Yes. And Fessenden is you know, 30 years her senior. And much hotter. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful blue <laughs> eyes, though. Love him. Um, I love it. I will forego some certain things that happen Thank in this you. relationship. Like the end um, of the movie. <laughs> there is an ongoing thing. One of the video reviewers, uh, the response videos... Takes precedent over all the other ones where this guy tells uh, this girl that she needs to kill herself and he just goes after her. I mean, it is brutal. This guy, you, is it unusual though? It's a little, it, it, I mean, the
1: internet feels
0: a little contrived because like this, he has everything prepared. Yeah. But I tell you, this actor is going for it. Okay. He is all in and it is just vile that he is spitting out towards her uh that is addressed in the third act and that is all i will say on that as the movie ends on a rather bleak note um i enjoyed this this is a a strange movie it's a scant uh 80 something minutes i believe uh randy did you see this a while back
4: so i thought i did but it may have been one of those things where i put it on late at night and i fell asleep which is no fault of the movie. It's me trying to watch a movie at night. But, uh, yeah, I definitely remember like certain, I just watched the trailer again. I definitely remember certain images from it. Um, but yeah, I think after I saw little sister, I was like looking for other things that, uh, Addison Timlin was in. And I think that's where I found it.
0: Little sister's great.
4: Uh, yeah, definitely check this out. I watched this on shutter, but I believe it is also available
3: on Amazon prime.
0: Now, the second movie that I watched is a movie that I was going to watch here a month ago. And I watched the trailer, and I'm like, you know what? I just don't think I'm going to have any fun with this. And then I said, Russell, can you please illegally download this so I don't have <laughs> to pay for the six ninety nine? dollars 99 He said, yes. And so there I go. I That's watched, not true. I, I grilled you a little bit. I watched Money Plane 2020. This now money plane is one of these movies that I'm going to call. I'm, I'm I'm flirting with the idea of what I should call these types of movies right now. I'm leaning towards, this is a circular film. And what I mean by a circular film is that there is not a single corner in this movie because they cut them all. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I call this a circular film. This is a movie. And I have a theory about these where look uh, inside of COVID, outside of... That is a great screenshot of Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> that is wonderful. I'll, I'll put it in the Look uh, at those image. teeth. That's great. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> I'll put it in the... <laughs> okay. I'll put it in the show notes. Inside of COVID, outside of COVID, this was never going to play in a theater. This was always a straight-to-rental property. And it's very clear that this is just made for the international market. Meaning that you've got a couple of recognizable faces, and you don't you spend zero money, zero money on production, and uh, all the gunshots are c g yes, oh so <laughs> let's let's talk about are they good or bad though? Oh, it's bad. I'll tell you, watching those corridor crew
1: videos, they really cut into muzzle flash in a way that I'd never appreciated
0: before and now. You know, I can't unsee it anymore. So listen to this cast. Uh, Adam Copeland is the lead. Now, you may not know who Adam Copeland is. No idea. Um, He goes by Edge. Oh, I know that guy. From WWE. Yeah, part of the brood. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. My favorite was (laughs) Bingrell. I think uh, our listeners will agree. Um, Kelsey Grammer plays the heavy. A beast. Thomas Jane plays adam uh, plays edge's uh best friend slash daughter's godfather slash former military uh captain the mist oh Thomas change great denise richards is in this for i'm going to say 45 seconds um and then we've also okay so I mean, what, what does we, she do what we need to talk about why is she a walk-on cameo <laughs> She's just a wife, and she's like, oh, that's sweet. That's basically all she says. There's no point in her, but again, that's (laughs) why it's the international market, because everyone knows her face. That's all this is. They can put her on the poster so they can sell a couple of rentals in Thailand. That's all this is. Wow, she's still working. But what we need to talk about. I'm shocked. Is that this movie is a family reunion. She's in reality queen.
3: Yes.
1: Yeah, our buddy made that movie. This right.
0: is a family reunion for the Lawrence family. And but when I made when I was looking at research uh, for this, I didn't realize who had directed this. This is directed by Andrew Lawrence, who is the brother of Joey and Matthew Lawrence, who are also in this movie. <laughs> and so is Andrew Lawrence. All three Lawrence brothers are acting in this. Andrew Lawrence plays uh, part of the crew with the ed- with the edge. Sorry, and <laughs> he plays the tech guy. There is a scene in the third act where the guy he's the guy on the ground with the tech. You could tell if you told me they shot this entire movie in four hours, I would believe you. Oh, I don't think they did a second take for the entire movie. There is there is a shootout scene in the desert that is so poorly lit. I, did, I watched I didn't even have my sunglasses on. But <laughs> it, it was so poorly lit, you can barely see anything that is happening. It is the worst thing I've ever seen. That whole sequence was terrible. The whole conceit of this movie, let's start with that, is that Edge and his crew, they, they, they're a bunch of vigilantes. They, they went to go steal a painting. They're all ex-military. But they they work for bad guys and they steal paintings. So they went to go steal a painting and the painting's not there. Fuck. They think they got set up. And Kelsey Grammer says, You fucked up this job, but you go steal money. You go steal the money plane because I bought your debt. They wanted you dead, but I own your ass now. So you go steal the money plane. What the money plane is, is an illegal casino that flies over international waters on a plane. And the Why? The main guy who runs the Money Plane is played by Joey Lawrence. What a- Joey Lawrence is the best part of this movie. Hold on, wait. Th- that feels like an old guy wrote that script.
1: I feel like if you're gonna do illegal gambling, it'd just be online. A young guy wrote that script named Andrew Lawrence. <laughs> why why a money plane. What what kind of dated fucking idea is that though?
0: Okay, they're Let's, in a zeppelin. Let me, they're over international. So let, let me tell you what <laughs> what the what happens on this. They got money a roulette plane.
5: wheel up there.
0: <laughs> Again, the set is. I mean, the money plane is is divi- divided into several different sections. Do they have a money Which room? The when you go into the plane, you're expecting this this plane casino to be luxurious. It looks like a dentist office. <laughs> I was thinking, there's a couple of potted plants and that's it. It is horrible. So the first thing they play is Texas Hold'em, right? Basic. You know, they're all there and they've all got their little chips on. The, uh, it's all Bitcoin. So the whole point is that Kelsey Grammer says, uh, I'm giving you all fake identities. You get on this plane. Now we skip all that. So all we just know is that Edge has got a passport and he's got this identity. We later learn that the identity that he has taken to get on this money plane is that he's a human trafficker. Oh. Yes. Okay. And also the a person in their crew plays one of the stewardesses. Now, this is a very small plane. On the total plane, there may be 20 people on this plane, and she's on their crew, and now all of a sudden, she's a stewardess. Wait, but they I, skip all over I that. I thought you were talking about there's three different rooms in the plane. There are, but it's all very small. <laughs>
3: it's so like they, a bathroom. So they a... get
0: done with the Texas Hold'em. Now, the man who wins Texas Hold'em happens to be a Texan. He is played by Matthew Lawrence, like who you know mostly <laughs> from Boy Meets World. Oh, yeah, my boy. So, Eric's friend from Boy Meets World. Dude, what the fuck has he been doing? plays a Texan with a Fu Manchu mustache and a cowboy hat. And since he won Texas Hold'em, he gets to choose the next game they play. The next game they play on the Money Plane is Russian Roulette. With a gun? and so then you see all the other, uh, they've also got hookers on the plane, hookers show up, and they've got plastic bags everywhere, so it turns into Dexter, and then one of the guys is like, what's happening there? And they're like, it's there for the cleanup. There's this Brooklyn guy who runs (laughs) all the games, also that guy has, I I can't, uh, let me see if I can pull him up. (laughs) No, he's in every, if, if you need an Italian bad guy, this guy plays him. Wait, um, now, wait. So Al, the, Al Sapanzia. So they're, they're playing Russian roulette, but the plane's made out of a folded up dollar bill. Won't it just
1: like drop the plane? So he
0: was in The Sopranos. <laughs> He's in Lethal Weapon. You know this guy. He. The reason I want to bring him up is because he has an earring, but the placement of his earring oh is God. so troubling. It makes no goddamn sense. It's in the so inner earring, earring. Earrings usually go right here. In the on the lobe. lobe. It's right here, and it's just a big stud. And it's not directly on the lobe. And it drives me crazy. No, dude. There's no explanation for it. Yeah, I don't understand. Here, it. I paint you a picture. And it's on one ear. He goes to the mall. He goes to the nice he little goes boutique. To <laughs> the boutique
1: guy's having a rough night. You know, his fiance broke up with him. He's a little wasted. He's the bookkeeper <laughs> of the money plane. <laughs> Here you go. He's friends with King Cobra. He goes into his house. Yeah, uh, man, you want to pierce my ear?
0: So Joey, anyway. So Joey Lawrence picks Russian roulette. And there's a whole bit. Now, in in a scene where Russian Roulette plays, you would think it to be a very tense. No, you need to stay for this.
1: Okay. All right.
0: You would think it to be a very tense scene. They start playing like Benny Hill type music oh. <laughs> to set you up that this wait, Russian Roulette scene is going to be a comedy bit. Wait, do you want me to do Benny Hill? Or give me a little Benny Hill. <laughs> And then, so long story short, he kills himself in Russian roulette because they're going back and forth. And, and uh, he said, you know, I won the game, but, uh, you know, so you, you, as the, you as the challenger, you have to go first. But he's like, fuck this, I'll go. I never lose at Russian roulette. And then, of course, he blows his head off. Oh and then that's it. Then the third game they play is they are given tablets and then there's like okay guess how many minutes they don't know what minutes they, and the guy was like okay 17. Uh, and so now they're looking oh, I don't know what that is. So you don't know what that is? I don't know you're you're distracting me. Okay. So then they they go um in the the other part of the plane the the dentist office part of the plane. And there's live stream of a man in a cage. And then they let loose a cobra, I think. A cobra? Oh, I'm sorry. And then you had to guess on how long it took for him to die. Oh, these
1: are weak-ass games, Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's so lame. They should have released Craig Ferguson in there. He would have tore his ass up. The action sequences are horrible. That's a callback to a thing that hasn't come up yet. Don't worry. Uh, This movie's terrible. All right. Now, Russian Roulette. But I had fun. Cinematically, it's a weird thing. Because It's tense, right? How do you capture the How do you capture the embodiment of I have a one in six sh- chance of killing myself right now? Usually, yeah. Deer the, Hunter, baby. Deer Hunter, okay, that's a good one. Yeah. Or uh, Jonathan Davis and yes. uh, Chris and, Angel. And Chris Angel. But also, this is the one I always think of. I'm going to oh. play it. I'm going in blind. I haven't
3: vetted this. Here one we go. Eight, eight. I've never seen this movie. Well, I don't, I don't think you're missing out. Do you yourself can you hear that randy yeah it's a little faint all right it's our boy um
1: <laughs> samuel L. jackson this is my favorite russian roulette very tense he just took four to the head
3: crazy man that's right
0: i'm crazy oh, oh he died
1: <laughs> well when you <laughs> pull the trigger six times in your own head and there's six uh now it's a six shooter what the fuck movie is this i know it's about um it's high school. 18, 187 there we go there you go so you did know the movie but no because i saw it in the comments <laughs> <laughs>
0: thank you very much
3: so
1: money plane i'm kind of bummed i didn't watch it with you i'm also not
0: and then the <clears throat> the ending of the movie is just so ridiculous and it made no sense but, go ahead uh, just fucking spoil it so of course as we all expected kelsey Grammer uh staged the whole thing he he was the one who messed them up on the the art heist and uh, so he wanted to go on the Bitcoin and they would get fucked over, but he would get uh, the billion dollars worth of Bitcoins on this money plane. And then how they bust them. Randy, listen to this. How <laughs> it happens is that he's Skyping him. So Edge is in the air, Kelsey Grammer's at his Vista. They're Skyping each other, they've given each other code names because they thought that was a bit. And then he tells them that "Oh, I'm the one I steal in the money plane. Fuck them. And so then he puts that on the speaker of the entire plane. And then Joey Lawrence is like, "Uh, don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, Uh, uh, Mr. So-and-so's head will be on a platter. Let's go ahead and take bets. (laughs) And so now they take bets on how long it's going to take for them to kill Kelsey Grammer. Um, And then they all jump out of the airplane and then they donate all the money in Bitcoin uh, to charities around the world. (laughs) (laughs) Tight. (sighs) Money Uh,
3: plane. Look, it
0: it is lame. Happy ending though. It is a happy ending because they also got their paintings. They also got the paintings that they got screwed over for. Oh, Oh, I forgot. Thomas Jane kills everybody with a drone. That was kind of (laughs) cool. I like the drone gun situation where you've got a pistol and a drone and it just shoots. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, leave the door open because it's way hot in here uh yeah it's real fucking hot yeah in here. i got a pool of sweat everywhere <laughs> um a kiddie pool yeah it's not good but uh you know i i, I was never bored <laughs> and then you know what good good on them yeah but it, yeah it's silly <laughs> no, I, I like silly. I've got no problem with that. So, for what I wanted, Money Plane uh Money Play was was better than my expectations, but again, dude, the set design is so terrible. They cut all the corners in this thing. Man. <laughs> they cut all of them. <laughs> all right. But what what I think are we going to j- jump straight into this or you had a preamble before? Mm, I mean, I kind of wanted to do
1: the vampire tie-in with Edge, but now on reflection, I think it's kind of dumb. <laughs> so I could talk about something briefly.
0: No, it, it's whatever.
1: Uh, okay, I'll talk about... Um, fuck, what did I watch? Oh, I watched The uh, the Burbs. Mm. I watched that for the first time ever. Randy, have you ever seen it?
4: No, I did listen to the episode, though, that you're probably going to talk about.
1: Yeah, well, okay. Yeah, Scary Thoughts covered it. And, uh, you know, usually they do a lot of uh, book tie-ins, like The Road or they did one about world war Z and that's fine because I, I don't know how the fuck they find the time to read all this shit, but I, I, I struggle with reading like literally. And this time they're just going to talk about a movie, no literary reference. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to fucking watch it. I don't know why, but I feel like I had been avoiding the verbs. It's got a cult following. It's one of those movies. If you went to a amoeba, in in the cult section there would always be like five copies of the burbs um i don't know like suburban tom hanks i was i don't know i was never really super excited to dive into it also joe dante i don't know i don't know how i feel about him i mostly am kind of like eh, whatever and uh yeah watched it it was pretty cool i so i posted about it and everybody started they just started going in how the fuck have you not seen this movie like, you know, like it's an American classic. And I don't know if I, was, if I was a child, if I even would have understood what the fuck was going on. And then my mom commented and she said, oh, I love this movie. <laughs> now, if you remember back in Christmas, I'd, I was talking about the Ninja Turtles because, you know, one of my epiphanies of film was the second Ninja Turtles movie. When it was ending, I remember I wanted to cry and I asked my mom, like, what the, what the hell is this emotion? And she was like, oh, you're sad it's over. So you know what? That's a movie I turned right back on a lot. As a child, I did that often. And I asked her about Home Alone during Christmas, and she was like, oh, I've never seen it. And it shocked me. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I watched this movie 18 times a day when I was younger. And she's like, yeah, but, you know, I just put on a movie and leave the room. I was like, I don't don't know if that's the best parenting method. But I guess I ended up watching. That's how I got into horror. Just, you know, no filter. But when she when she recognized this movie. I started trying to to think, you know, I tried to create a deprivation tank in my mind and go back. And I think I might have seen it. It just made no impact on me anyway. um, I watched it now and it kind of gave me the vibe of an adult. Tom Hanks is kind of a he's a father. And he's married to Carrie Fisher, who looks much older than him. And I think narratively, the idea here was it's a dude who's not ready to fully commit to being an adult. So he teams up with his suburban pals and they go on a, a, an adventure exploring, you know, their neighbor's house. It's fun and um, scary thoughts. That episode definitely, it kind of helped. Uh, it's Joe Dante, yeah. Yeah, culminate. I don't know. I I thought about this film a lot more than I did after watching it. Yeah, but you know, I'm not a huge Dante fan. Why? I don't know. You know, Space Again, (laughs) love their podcast. Check it out because they do a deep dive on it. You know, they do 90 minutes on a movie where we barely, you know, we'll touch on something for like 30 seconds like I did with Thor El Conquistador. I really fuck that one up but
0: joe dante gave us a wonderful afternoon a couple years ago well chad
1: referred to him as tarantino before tarantino doing a lot of uh revival yeah well well, i mean he
0: cut he cut uh grindhouse trailers that was the first job he did well and i i would
1: i tend to agree with that and i mean the burbs really the way that the they painted on that podcast is that it's kind of a movie within movie culture like it's film on a back lot where there's four famous houses. There's like the Munster house and the
0: Leave it to Beaver house. And nobody uses that lot because they're so identifiable. But the issue, the issue is that, I, I yeah, I, I would say there is some vali- validity with that comparison. However, Tarantino was all about the brand of Tarantino. We never got that with Joe Dante. Well, Dante did American stuff. So
1: he would take movies that you probably have seen sure. and then like rework them where Tarantino does foreign film and America that you've, but a lot of his shit is like, you know, the bride, the war black. i never seen that shit. Yeah. I will never let that go. I don't even know if I could find where that quote came from yeah. anymore. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter. The burbs was cool. Anyway, I was just stalling until Clark got back in the room. Um,
0: By the way, well, I, I had to go uh, urinate and yeah. um, when I was, you know, I had that. You thought worms in, were going to come out? You know, I had that endless <laughs> mirror in my bathroom. Yeah. That just goes on in perpetuity that I hate. Yeah, it's great. Um, well, I was washing my hands, and uh, I was looking um, in, the wind- in the mirror, and I hadn't pulled my pants up yet. My underwear is soaked from sweat. <laughs> <laughs> it is just so are I, I thought
1: you were going to mention the evil inside, where, you know, there's the endless mirror, and then yeah. one of them, like, step, yeah. Oh, I hate what you mentioned was way scarier. <laughs> yeah. Fucking <laughs> wet drawers. Okay. So not the good kind. I've, I've gotten some pretty good feedback. And you cut that out? from <laughs> No, it's worked in there already. Uh, from the Amityville coverage. And, you know, it's over and I'm feeling really bittersweet about it. I had a lot of fun exploring it. And I almost thought about digging into more Amityville outside of the box set. But I know Vinegar Syndrome did their work. I don't, I don't I don't know uh, Misha Barton or I, I can't remember who's in the newest one. They I've only heard terrible things about him. And plus, you know, I was doing this as part of a Blu-ray coverage thing and it was a busy week. So I found myself on what was it, Friday or Saturday? I can't remember. I think it was Saturday morning. And um, I was just looking at all the fucking Blu-rays and I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? And I was like, you know, I don't really have enough time to dig deep into a, like a nice Blu-ray release from a company or I don't want to pick something half-assed and I want it to be kind of hidden. Like the Amityville thing, I feel like nobody watched those. Yeah. So a bunch of people were texting me like, dude, are you crazy? And they watch them, they like them. So I'm like, let me try and capture that again. Anyway, I ended up giving up. <laughs> but behind the scenes, I've still been trying to put in all our movies on uh, my movies three, the app. Which has taken fucking forever Even scanning the barcodes You're diligent with it though well, well, I'm not even at 2,000 yet I think I'm at 1,700 movies That's without That's a v- good year. Without VHS and Laserdisc But um Are you gonna do the VHS up here? Yeah I'm gonna do all of them That's why I picked that app because it had multi-platform Can you do my 19 movies I have? No, I don't want to mix in with my shit That's hurtful <laughs>
0: You're segregating get, our movies. bro? I'll get put
1: on a fucking. It's 2020. List. Everybody's in the pool. All right, I'll reconsider.
0: You anyway, need the second season there, of Entourage. There, there's
1: a function in that app that annoyed the fuck out of Oksana. But what you do is you have it open on your collection, which you know you just scroll through like any streaming service, and uh, if you shake your phone, often involuntarily, it'll just pull up a random movie. So she shook it, and she pulled up this movie. Apparently, we owned a film called Modern Vampires on DVD. Now, the cover is two people wearing all black leather with sunglasses and knives in their hand. It looks like a <laughs> blade ripoff. It looks like a 100% blade ripoff. Yeah. And then they're standing in front of what looks like a tribal tattoo. And a la Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah. Or at- Bill- no, that's more Goldbergy. Yeah, it's Goldberg. It's bad tribal. Yeah. And I just looked at it, and Clark had been talking about watching a vampire movie. And I'm like, you know, fuck it. Let's just do it. I can't think about it. Let's just do it. So I went. Because we alphabetized everything, I ran over to there. And I found it. Looking at the DVD, I'm like, oh, it's a, it's the fucking... Oh, I thought it said collector's edition on here. It doesn't. But um, one of the things that uh, tipped me off to, we have to watch this right now, was special features. They have uh, interactive motion menus, and uh, what they're referring to is the 20 chapters with motion images, and I'm like, all right, this is giving me like 90 vibes. Oh, the good old DVD days. Then you you look at the top, and it says, from the creators of Freeway, and it's like, wait, what the fuck? So it was written by the guy who wrote, what, Freeway? He wrote um, Forbidden Zone. Uh, He wrote a movie that Clark has been making fun of me for not watching. Tippy Toes. Tippy Toes. Matthew Bright. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. And we look at the director, Richard Elfman. Who the fuck is Richard Elfman? (laughs) And we're like, how many Elfmen can there be? He's got to be related, right? Turns out it's his older brother. So then what do you do when there's an Elfman involved? You're like, okay, who did the music? Oh, Danny did the theme. (laughs) Actually, you know what? I found it. This movie. Okay. Just for a little context, I guess it came out on my birthday, May seventh, nineteen ninety nine, in Spain. I, I, it was originally going to be called the Revenant, but huh. I guess they thought that American audience. You know what? Here, um, let, I'm not going to intro that. So part. that
0: was your that was your fourteenth birthday. Oh, you did the math eighty five, very quick, nineteen ninety nine.
1: Yeah, yeah, you did it quick. So what were you doing for your 14th birthday? Oh, probably fearing going to school. (laughs) I don't know. 99, I think I was, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Nothing cool. Nothing cool. Oh, you should see the way I dressed. (laughs) You know, I should pull up a yearbook so you could
0: see it. Do you have your stained work shirt? No,
1: this is way before. Yeah, Sophomore year, I I leaned into the, the, um, I started playing guitar. Before that. Oh boy, you'd, you'd have a field day Anyway um, I pulled some clips for this film And I think I'm going to let Craig Ferguson uh, Intro it here
5: I don't usually go to scary movies But I was in one once Were you? Yes <laughs> It was about modern day vampires It was called Modern Vampires <laughs> This is before vampires became popular. <laughs> in Britain, the movie, they called the movie in Britain, The Revenant, but the American studio thought no one here is going to know what that means, and clearly they were right. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so they called it Modern Vampires, and I was at the premiere of the movie, I'm in the movie, I'm one of the stars of the movie, I'm in the premiere, I'm at the premiere and it's meant to be scary, and I'm sitting there like, mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> and then everybody starts going, ha <laughs> ha! Yeah, it's a horror comedy movie. <laughs> I've never seen people laugh that hard. And I never will. <laughs> so what I did was, I did it when while I was working on the Drew Carey show. I, I played the vampire, you know, on the break from the Drew Carey show. So basically, I just did Mr. Wick with fangs. <laughs> but then it was exactly the same. It was like, Dracula, you're fired. <laughs> We've got a clip of this movie. You're like, no, there's no way you're showing a clip of your own movie. I'm like, yeah, why
1: not? Come on. So here, look, there's a clip. Look, look. Now, Now, again, I'll put this up in the show notes. But just for context, um, four Crips break into a room with uh, Clark's uh, uncle. What's his name? Rod Steiger. And uh, Ferguson is tied to a chair. Here we go. Excuse- That's Rod Steiger. They're staking him.
5: (laughs) That's right. I know what you're thinking, but wait a minute, Greg. Oh, your movie sucked. No, (laughs) that was great. Nowadays, you have to be pretty to be a vampire. Like that kid with the big wavy hair. What's that kid's called? Robert Patterson? Yeah? He's too pretty to be a vampire, if you ask me. I like my vampires.
6: He's like, mm-hmm.
5: I will bite you, bitch.
1: <laughs> Sorry. I. It's... Him dissing Twilight just dates that in a way that I I could never. He's great in this. He's great.
0: He's fucking good in it. So we've we've got um, we've got him, Craig Ferguson, also in the, Randy. Listen to this lineup, dude. The here. cast is killer. So Rod Steiger, who <laughs> I love, one of my favorite actors of all time.
1: We had a great birthday where we watched Wolf uh, Wolf Lake. Wolf Lake. Yeah. Wolf
0: Lake. Uh, Rod Steiger plays Van Helsing. Now, don't no, don't <laughs> give too much away. I gotta.
3: Okay, I, I, gotta I, I won't say any more. Of that. Yeah.
0: Um, also starring Kim Cattrall from Sex in the City, Natasha Leone. is it? Oh yeah! Randy, are you ready for the headliner? Sure. Udo Kier <laughs> <laughs> is in this. Nice. Um, is that is that everyone? I feel like yeah. Natasha. I, I said Natasha Lyon. And then Casper Van Dien uh, plays Dallas, uh, the main vampire. He, of course, is Johnny Rico. Yeah, it's fucking stacked. Starship Troopers.
3: Yeah,
1: and um, I'll tell you, I, so the special features aren't all just like, hey, interactive menu. They they have an um. There's a moment in the film where they go to a Blade-style club, and uh, earlier I mentioned Craig Ferguson attacking people in the club because his his character literally gets in there and runs to these people who are naked chained to a wall and starts murdering them, which is noteworthy because in all these fucking like Blade movies or, you know, like 90s rave scenes where they have like s and shit going on. You never see anybody interact with the background people. And it almost looked like he was abliving it. Like okay. there's a cage full of naked people that seemed the way it was framed looked like it was just background image. He runs in the cage and starts killing them in there. It, it's fucking bonkers. Um. Anyway, the film, what it's actually about. Oh, man. How, how do you fucking cue this one up? All right. Van Helsing is a Nazi and he employs. That's how you start. <laughs> <laughs> Van Helsing, Nazi Van Helsing, employs five members of the Crips to help him get revenge on a vampire who turned his son into, a, into one of the undead. Now, this is amplified because the vampire that turned him is named Dallas, play, played by, uh, by uh, Caster, Casper Van Dien, who is an outcast in vampire society because he had an opportunity to kill Van Helsing. Now, we don't know why. We only know that Dracula, who's also currently living in L.A., hates Dallas and has uh, he's uh, forbid him from being in the city. There's a problem. There's there's somebody murdering people in town. They're calling him the L.A. slasher. Now, this is a prostitute that Dallas had turned. Now, I don't know how this timeline works out, because I, I honestly, I wasn't paying much attention in the very beginning of this movie. And she's been killing people and she's dubbed a a serial killer. So all the vampires are worried that she's going to get caught and the world will find out that vampires are real. This movie is one of the most effective at having a multi-layered protagonist thing going on. And what I mean there isn't like a protagonist with like a bunch of subplots going on. At the second act in this movie, I was legitimately rooting for Casper, but I was also rooting for Rod. So I'm rooting for Van Helsing and our vampire lead. And I I think the way they, they achieve this is the story's got so much weird shit going on. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the city in the wire, like Baltimore, where a lot of people say the main character is the city. And we're just kind of getting little parts of it in modern vampires. We're kind of all over the town and narratively, it doesn't really lean in any particular direction. Now, Richard Elfman as a director, it opens up with that fucking, what was that terrible David Arquette movie where he was like a fucking rockabilly? It might have even been called rock- It was like a road movie. I don't know. Ready to rumble. No, it was fucking ready to that rumble. That's a great movie. <laughs> he was a rockabilly in, um. oh my God. Anyway, it's if you've ever seen doing. that movie, it's stylized in a way that is distracting and dumb and it's amplified by the movie also being dumb. Richard Elfman, he directs a pretty – the camera – okay, Craig Ferguson was talking about how, you know, it's a horror movie, but it's a comedy. Now, I think he was kind of letting the audience – I think he was doing it for a bit because one of the bonus features on here is a making of documentary, which is anything but that. It's literally just interviews on the set of that uh, um, club scene. But they sit down with all the leads, like Udo Kier. It's very fucking interesting. Craig Ferguson's talking, though, and he he compliments the script on being funny. Now, when you watch the movie, it's all the parts that aren't funny that really stand out to me. Now, Casper um, Dallas turns a prostitute into a vampire. And this is where a lot of the, um, the friction comes in this story. Now, at one time, he brings her back to where she used to live unprompted and the audience is kind of we're blind there with uh what the hell what the hell is her name nico was she the one is she the prostitute i think yes, she is nico's the prostitute. um and it's it's this desolate trailer it's alone out in a wasteland kind of like blip in la and we burst into this trailer and uh who who's the lady the housekeeper from two and a half men <laughs> yeah, okay <laughs> she's recognizable here she's playing like we're, we're back to gummo and it's not a pretty picture. They're painting like you're almost waiting for like bits like it's going to be funny. And it int- instantly turns into like this bleak drama. And it, it turns out that the man there with her is her stepdad who molested her when she was little. And this is why she ran away. And he won't let her talk now. And her mom and the stepdad don't even believe it's her because, you know, she should be 40 but I guess she was turned into a vampire 20 years ago, which doesn't work narratively in the film because all of the vampires call her a baby, which I understand 20 years wouldn't be that long, but she almost acts like she's an infant. like She doesn't know how to do anything. And
0: the scene just gets darker. Also from what, from the only information that we have, uh, from her, uh, business interactions as a, uh, a prostitute, yeah, is that she kills all of her clients like brutal. So we don't even know that she's very successful. Well, um, as a sex worker. Well, for her
3: uh, to without be- the murder.
0: <laughs> well, uh, so the, here's where the timeline gets confusing.
1: She's killing people like she just became a vampire and doesn't know how to control it. Yet we get this beautiful little moment where her pimp rolls up. And she walks over there, and she's kind of talking to him like she's wasting. He's like, "What the hell's going on?" And she pukes blood and organs all over another prostitute in the car, or a sex worker, I guess we should say. and it's it's beautiful, Tonally fucking confusing. Yes. So then we're back in the trailer, right? And And Dallas is just like, "Let me know." Let me know if, if this guy fucking yeah. crosses the line. Just tell me. And She's like, do it. It was like a dog. So he runs over there and breaks the dude's neck, like in a blink. No hesitation. So now her mom just breaks down. And she's like, why? Why did you? And she's like, like I felt
0: for her. She was very sad and distraught. Well, it's an insane situation that just happened. I, you haven't seen your daughter in 20 years. She shows up. She looks exactly the same. She's with this yep. emo guy named after a city now, in da- Dallas, Dallas, a city not, in Texas. They show up. He's not emo. He's
1: emo. He's not emo. They're, all
0: vampires are he's, emo and he's, stupid.
1: He shows up driving a fucking, uh, what is it? What's the car? It was a, it was a Camaro. It was a, yeah, a 68 Camaro. Yeah that richard eltonvin bought for the movie and i think he's probably still driving it probably but um no he's a fucking cool guy a whole lot of residual checks no probably not vampires dude i think we're gonna break this movie i don't think anybody knows about it that did you did you talk about uh no not yet uh, the headbanging no okay no anyway to finish that trailer park scene it's it's bleak and her mom's on her knees now crying. And she said, you're not my daughter. You're the devil. You're a demon. You've ruined my life. Like, get out of here. And it's, I don't know. I'm getting, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Anyway, this hey, is in the Randy middle. It did movie. not affect me at all. No, of course not. <laughs> Clark was high up there. He was doing his distancing. I was techniques. not he was high. He's trying I mean, life, brother. a, <laughs> high on life. a dog in oh, yeah. a car will make you cry. Give me my vampire movie. That's, that's fair. OK, anyway, that's a terrible poster. Oh, this is not the. Po- oh, yeah, I don't know. On IMDb, there's a fucking awful modern vampire poster. Um, anyway, I had mentioned that Danny Elfman did the uh, the theme song. Now, I found it on YouTube. It has 845 views, <laughs> which nobody knows about this fucking movie. uploaded seven years ago. Yeah, I'm going to pl- I'm going to play it as I talk about this next part. Now, the theme, I think, in this movie is all about forgiveness. Yeah, this is a fucking wacky theme. (laughs) So part of it, it's mostly about Van Helsing. I think he kind of comes out as the... not the solo protagonist, but I feel like his character's got the most
0: potential growth. Yes. So our protagonist is a Nazi in this film. Yeah, <laughs> that should tell you. And where we are, and it's kind and who, of who about- teams up uh, with a bunch of Crips. Yeah, I, I mentioned that in the beginning. It's great.
1: And the way he does it is he shows up to America, and he's like, "Fuck!" There's a lot of vampires here, so he puts out an ad. It's an infestation. And the guy who shows up for the ad is a Crip. And he's just like, yeah, I'll do what you need. And he starts telling him, like, do you believe in vampires? And he's like, no. And he's like, you come here, you're willing to kill people with a stake through the heart and you don't believe in vampires. He's like, hey, man, I need the money. I got bills to pay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's almost like we're in a Wayne's movie. It's like a fucking Wayne's brother wrote this thing. Yeah. And it, it leans heavy into like um, racial dichotomy. And I mean, we have a German stereotype and we're kind of dealing with like inner city stereotype. Anyway, they team up to do the first kill of the film, which is, uh, I hate to say it, but our boy Udo Kier. And they show up, uh, It's you know, the sun's going down. They don't have much time. The sun's coming up. The sun's coming. No, because if it was coming up, then he'd be trapped and they would be fine. Oh, that's right. The sun's going down. That's correct. So they have limited time. This is how vampires work. I don't understand. Worry, don't <laughs> I got <laughs> confused. So Udo is, you would think maybe he's in a coffin, maybe he's hiding in the closet. Uh, no, He's just chilling on a hotel bed, just laying there, not even under the covers. But they did make their own rules They with so, the vampire uh, we'll, uh, we'll get there. So Udo's just fucking laying on the bed. They kick open the door, and Rod is, oh, you know what? Oh, man. No, I'm not going to cut to it. So I have a Rod Steiger interview that he did with Larry King, and he's talking about acting, and he's just trying to, uh, you know what? Let me play it. You wanted to go in blind there. Here's a little bit where Rod's coming from, and he brings everything he says in this interview to the table in uh, Modern Vampires.
5: I am when I think uh,
1: I Again, context, uh, Larry King asked him, um, do you think you're difficult to
5: work with? My thing is logic. I don't care who's the heck. You know, you come out of the rain, you got to be wet. I was putting some, when I first came to Hollywood, they hit with the animizers. I'll never forget. What is it? Well, they're talking about a big storm out there. So when you come on, you got to look wet. And you go, psh, 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 with the perfume animize? So no. I got, I took the bucket, poured the water on my <laughs> head, and I came in. This guy goes to the other guy and says, he's difficult. He's protecting his job. <laughs> and the next thing you know, they say he's difficult. I remember Johnny Carson or somebody said, what? I said, look, Cliff was difficult, Brando was difficult, Dean was difficult, De Niro's difficult, Pacino's difficult, Hoffman's difficult, Daniel Day Lewis is difficult, and is that difficult? I will be difficult for the rest of my life. But what are we doing trying to defend logic?
1: Beautiful. That that interview is 10 minutes long. It gets awkward. You know how Larry King likes to kind of throw a curveball in there yeah. and get people. He talks to him about how Rod Steiger had a son when he was 72 years old. And he's like, do you feel like you're a dad or a grandpa? And it's a little King edgy. King asked that. Yeah, King did the same thing. Okay, context.
0: <laughs> that Skeletor bitch.
1: No, but I mean, it, it's a pretty edgy interview, and um, I think that was the best articulated part. But anyway, he. he As a reminder, Rod Steiger is an Academy Award-winning actor. Oh, for sure. And um, in in the bonus features on the disc, uh, when they interview him in the club. He, oh, oh, Randy, you would like in that Larry King interview. He talks about working with the uh, Sydney Sydney Lament. Lament, Lament, Lame. Oh, okay, Lament. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he he notes him being a good director. Anyway, in the interview on the disc, he talks about working with Richard Elfman, and he talks about the scene where they go to kill Udo Kier. And he's like, you know, we kick open the door and we get in there, and we I'm, I'm telling him take the hammer, and I'm going to take the stake, and and the door's open, and he's like, I, I had to tell Richard the door's open and he's like oh what do you mean he's a man we're in here gonna kill this guy we're screaming about murdering this dude i'm worried about everything right now he's like yeah yeah you're you're playing a paranoid guy he's like why the fuck am i leaving the door open he's like we should shut that door and he's like to richard's credit he shut the door (laughs) he's like this is a good director (laughs) and you know the scene plays out he's like you're gonna hammer him and the guy's like, I can't do it, I can't do it. He's like, fine, you hold the stake, I'll hammer him. So it's almost in like full Benny Hill bit, like you mentioned earlier. And he, they trade. So Rod goes, or Van Helsing raises up the hammer, and he has like a heart attack. He, oh! He's like, I can't do it. He crumbles to his knees. He's like, you gotta kill him, you gotta kill him. And he's like, man, I can't kill him, I can't kill him. He's like, I need a bonus. And he's like, kill him, kill him. And it just turns into this manic this manic high energy moment Udo cures. Now he's just laying on the bed, but he's awake and he's like, how's your son doing? He's like, don't talk to me about my son. And he, but he can't move. Yeah. It's uh, vampires are paralyzed from the neck down. Yes. In the day. It was weird.
0: Very strange.
1: But anyway, so uh, rods now on the floor, Van Helsing holding his chest going, kill him, kill him. The crypt is up there with the hammer negotiating more pay. Anyway, he fucking stakes him. He hits him. And there's this comedic, almost like whack-a-mole. Yeah. Like, doop, doop. I, you could briefly hear it in the Craig Ferguson clip. But he hits him. And he hits him again. And he hits him again. The whole time, Rod's just screaming, kill him, kill him. And the stake is just going further and further down into his cavity. Until eventually, it's all the way in. He hammers the stake all the way into his chest cavity. And then Udo kind of calms down a little. and he's And he's like, he's not dead. He's like, what do you mean he's not dead? He's like, there's a saw in my bag. You got to cut his head off. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And Randy, the staking. It's fucking brutal. There's blood. They don't cut away. Yeah. You watch this thing going in. And you would think they'd cut away with the head decapitation. They don't. Udo Kier's in like full prosthetics. I don't know if he was under the bed. He's sawing his fucking neck off. Blood's coming out everywhere. So brutal. Also, as he gets staked, he turns into a Buffy vampire, (laughs) like full prosthetic. Dude, it's fucking bizarre, but tonally it's all over the place. They're doing bits, but it's still high stake.
0: No pun intended. So with Ron Steiger in this, um, Ron Steiger died three years after this movie um, was released. So he died in two thousand and two. This came out in nineteen ninety nine. He was seventy seven when he died. So, a seventy four year old Rod Steiger was running around like a maniac in this. And also, I don't have to. I don't know if I have to tell you this, but Rod Steiger, not the healthiest seventy four year old. He would deny that in that
1: Larry King interview. What would he say? Um, I'm sure he would. Well, he was talking to him about being a dad, and he's like, "Oh, are you worried about like running?" He's like, "Hey, man, I'm fit. I can do stuff." He's like, now, playing catch, not the best. But if, I, if you want to know something, I can point out, I can tell
0: you about well, He's it. an intense guy. Dude. That's why I love it. Tell him. me about it. Um, but he, he does not. Look, this is not a circular film, okay? They don't cut corners in no. this No. And Rod Seiger does not cut corners. He is committed in this ridiculous role as Van Helsing, the Nazi vampire Dude, hunter. He has given his all.
1: Full throttle. Now, who, who's the blonde girl from um, Sex in the City that's in here? Kim Cattrall. Her and fucking Craig Ferguson and uh, Casper all hanging out as like kind of like an affluent vampire group. Yeah. It's fucking entertaining. Yeah. And I'll tell you, here's another confusing scene. So when Dallas reveals that he's actually turned this young prostitute into a vampire and she's the L.A. slasher, he brings her to Craig and uh, the vampire elite who are hanging out. And um, they want to kill her. They're like, kill her, dude. Dracula doesn't want her in town. Like, they're going to kill you. So he's like, no, you know, I'm kind of like in love with her. And they can tell. And they're like, fine, give her a bath. She smells like shit. She smells like she's homeless. Like, they're brutal. And uh, there's a lot of nudity in this movie. You 1998, they were, you know, no male nudity, though. And I'll tell you. It's a shame. (laughs) Modern film. I've come (laughs) to appreciate it. It feels really fucking dumb when you have girls like naked running around, and it's like naked dudes, but they got this little flesh toned thong on. Say like, what the fuck is that? I, I'm legitimately complaining about that. There should have been more naked men. There should have been at least a naked man in this room.
0: Give us the wing.
1: Although the Crips later do a gangbang on a vampire. Yes, and I think you get to see some dong uh, unintentionally in that. I was looking for it. I didn't see any dong. I think I did. All right, we'll, we'll have sp- to rewatch, we'll re-watch. it. We'll re-watch. Anyway, they, yes. go, they go to wash the prostitute and um, Sex and the City Girl is like full hands on up top with this girl in a tub. But it, they're kind of doing bits, except it's kind of it's the film language is titillating, but the scene is dramatic and comedic. The fucking whole movie's like this. It's it's well done, but it's fucking goofy. I don't know how, like, Randy, I would never recommend this to you. It was fun, though. Unless you were in a class of, like, dissecting B film. (laughs) and Or, you know, finding value in um, disregarded film. Yeah. Dude, Randy, this movie also, again. Oh, the Foley work on
0: this is bananas.
1: Well, the Foley work (laughs) is the only technical aspect that's bad.
0: It sounded, what was it? They were stuffing a body. Oh, at the beginning of the movie, oh, Kim, oh, Cattrall, yeah. Kim Cattrall killed like this tiny little portly man. He's a TV director. Yeah, TV director. Uh, they made a joke about that. Mm. Um, producer. Producer, that's it. She said, have
1: you ever shot any hardcore porn? He says, I work in television. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so she, she kills him, they drain him of his blood, and then she stuffs him in a trunk. And the Foley work sounds like they just... Yeah, they tore heads of romaine lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like this crunching sound. Now, when we were watching it, you said that you nailed it. It, was it like,
1: completely sounds ridiculous, like it was fully in the sink. But yet, the practical
0: looked good. I did. Like it didn't look like it was like a a pillow. And body. I missed it when I was watching Money Plane after it, and oh. I wanted more,
1: that. <laughs> dude. Randy, this movie, nothing practical nothing. about Money Plane. You know what they got? They got uh the um the cure to one of the things we hate on this show. Robert Smith? A lot of real <laughs> fire.
3: There was were oh, yeah, yeah. some oh.
1: fucking real fire yeah. stunts. Dude, Gnarly. so good. Yeah. There, it was just it's such a breath of fresh air watching a dude on fire run around on a set trying <laughs> to do something dramatic.
0: But again, back back to the um them making up their own rules with being vampires. Um, yeah, so if you have sex with a vampire, you turn into a vampire, which is they kind of cool. as a reveal. Yeah. So and then not also that, not that we could ruin this movie. And then also... um there was a vampire who was pregnant when she got turned. Yep. And so she's always stayed pregnant. And that was the inside joke of like Craig versus, well, she could never have the fucker. I know. She's like, thanks God.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. And
0: then I was hoping for maybe a little vampire baby, but we never got that. Cause they killed her. Uh,
1: this ain't what we do in the shadows. True. Oh, Randy, Our there is master. there is a moment where we have a flashback with Van Helsing and he talks about stalking his wife. So, his son died. And uh his wife would disappear every night and come back at the crack of dawn. So he's like, you know, one night I fu- also, Rod is doing a fucking what sounds like uh uh Werner Herzog Time. fucking German voice the whole film. And he follows her out there and the film changes into black and white. And it's almost like it's almost like a um Silent film where they, they lit it for black and white, and it's his wife in a mausoleum with his son, and he runs in there and stakes him brutally. Yeah, except <laughs> they don't mention it, but his son is in a uh, uniform. What kind of uniform, Clark?
0: Well, it's the one where it's it's a lovely design. It goes this way, <laughs> it goes that way. Oh my God, what is that, Larry? That's my favorite. do You want to give Curb some your enthusiasm to that? <laughs> I think it was season eight. Where uh,
1: Larry David uh, draws a swastika in a magazine. Yes, um, a flamboyant. for a child yeah. Yeah, who wants to be a fashion designer. He's like, who's he? He's, like, oh, he's an evil man. And then he
0: embroidered <laughs> a throw
1: pillow with, a, with the swastika yeah. on it. So Van Helsing's son was in a fucking SS officer uniform. Randy, you're never going to watch this movie, but I'm going to tell you, if theaters ever open up out here in San Francisco again, I want to fucking show this film.
0: It's- <laughs> Fucking bonkers, dude. All right, well let's I'll send Udo the uh, email right now. We'll have him out.
4: Do a uh, do a drive in, dude.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Dude, dr- it wouldn't it wouldn't work. We'd need to be in a room with people and
0: we'd have to like okay. riff a little bit and- What you need to do somehow I think from the uh, at least from the uh, the DVD extras that you were watching this morning. You need to send Randy clips of Udo Kier dancing in that club. Oh yeah. Where he's just his facial expressions. You've never seen him a no. boat. Uh, like this, that much exuberance. Well, it is troubling to see him smile. <laughs> well,
1: that film, like in that moment, you get Casper, who's acting. Da- Dallas is being a cool guy, and he's one of those fucking cool guys I hate. Like in Nine Seven Six Evil
0: Two, what's a cool guy you like?
1: Well, it's just like stoic. It's like I'm a, like an incel white guy, or <laughs> yeah. it's like I'm troubled and I'm mysterious, and women don't like me for it. Except women love him in this movie. True. And um, oh. I watched a little bit of the commentary. We got a Casper and we got a Richard Elfman. It's fucking awkward. And it's late nineties commentary, right? So everybody was doing it, but nobody really knew what they were doing or if anybody was even watching it. So dude, you watch it and all they're doing is talking about the women in the movie. It's all they're doing. Like, yeah, she was hot, man. They are like, so it opens up with, um, a prostitute walking down the street and the camera kind of, you know, we're, we're doing a voyeuristic uh, view. We have, we have a tight frame on her butt and she's walking by and you get Richard Elfman going like, uh, you know, I don't know if, uh, I'm the only one thinking it, but that's, that's a fine, uh, booty right there. And then Casper's like, yeah, she's, she was really gorgeous. You know, she, she's a better actor than she is pretty, but God damn, is she pretty. And the whole time through two scenes, all they're talking about is how hot the women were and how many naked girls were in this movie. It's fucking awkward. <laughs> Dude, it's so weird. All right. Yeah, you know, I could keep talking about this movie. I'm not going to. Oh, um, he did mention the headbanging. Oh, yeah. So when the prostitute first jumps in the car, she t- she touches the car stereo and it turns into some like loud new metal or something, some generic like metal. And she starts full body headbanging, kind of like a night at the Roxbury. It's very troubling. But from the waist up, she's full headbanging
0: like. Like she's having an epileptic season. Yeah. <laughs> like she's shock therapy yes. or something. Like and her body is rejecting the music. So, <laughs> mostly,
1: this is why I wanted to watch a commentary just to hear what the fuck he said about that. And he was like, oh, yeah, you know, um, vampires, if you put on rock and roll, it's very rhythmic to them and they, they get, uh, you know, they can't help but bob to it. And they keep it up through the movie. Brother, they, yeah, they, yes, they do, but oh, that wasn't no bob. One other thing technical aspect of the movie in the script 4 three i think um they both were good and but i don't think there was a lot of dialogue in between and one of the moments is uh when they're buying the prostitute clothing they break a vampire rule there but i think it's a film language thing because she comes out of the dressing room and the frame is set up so that we see um kim cattrall and her and she's showing her off and We see in the mirror, all the other vampires are sitting there and and dialogue continues. There's no cutting. And I think technically they're trying to, you know, not break the mood by having a bunch of cross cuts, which I appreciate, except nobody acknowledges that there's vampires in that mirror. And I think that was just, you know, it didn't come up in the script and it worked technically. And I think it was just a lack of communication between the two. and. It was really revealing. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It really helps uh, frame this film. Right. I know it's the only corner they cut. I don't know if they're cutting though. They cut. I think they're both fine. I think they made the better film choice. They cut like Randy used to do at Diablo Valley. <laughs> While ignoring the obvious lore. Randy, it's fucking good. <laughs> I'm out. Modern vampires. Also, it's never been put on Blu-ray. That I could find. I mean. So the DVD is the only thing I have, and I don't know if it's ever been released in America. Severin, Vinegar Syndrome, Shout Factory, Scream Factory, Unearthed. (laughs) The fuck are we doing, man? Artsploitation. Artsploitation. Kino Lorber. Asylum. uh, Criterion. I'm I'm talking to you. Why the fuck isn't this movie out?
0: Not Apple TV. Fuck them. They rejected it.
1: Netflix. (laughs) Roku. Stinky Tune. It's stinky tuna. Dude. <laughs> Dude, stinky tuna. All right.
0: Okay. This is the Amazon longest in the history of Western civilization. To be End the episode. <laughs> We're done. Uh, we may have an interview. We don't know yet. <laughs> I think that's why we went extra long, but, uh, I don't know. We may have another four
3: hour episode for you, but, uh, we'll see.
0: All right. Anything else before we sign off? Um, Yeah. If,
3: you, if you're listening,
1: if you get this far in the show, do us a favor. Fucking share it. Comment on the thing. We need reviews on there. And I feel like I'm not mean enough to all y'all about it. So help us out. Also, if you make an audio cue or something, send it to us. That was great. I wish I had that Amityville one for the, the whole run. But, yeah, I don't know. And if you want Randy back in the studio, start donating money. We're uh, going to create a fund to buy him his own bubble. <laughs> and it will have a shelf in there for a computer
0: the moops the moops
1: <laughs> we'll play scrabble with them it's gonna be great
0: all right so enjoy our episode with uh, our interview with brandon steer uh, director of Velasa Pasture, and we'll see you next week hello hey. hi brandon how are you
6: hey guys what's going on
0: you know, we, we, we both just got done with our work day, so we, we, we came in here. I So, Brendan, I have to work from home, and uh, I, I sell. I don't sell, but I, I deal with home insurance, home warranties, and so I get yelled at by Texans all day. So we just gotcha. got wrapped up with that, and uh, jumping on with you. How are you?
6: I'm doing all right. I, uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm currently back east, so it's 9.30 for me. Uh, and I'm doing all right. I got a cup of tea, got a bottle of water. I'm all right.
0: Well, geez, we did well, sorry about that, Bert. We didn't know you were, you were back there. Sorry for the late record, but thanks for hanging in there. No, no,
6: us. not at all. It's, uh, I'm, I'm heading back West, um, on Saturday and I'm very excited <laughs> to no longer be stuck in Pennsylvania. So, no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to get back home. So
0: how long have you been on the East coast?
6: Like, 60 days.
0: Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's time to yeah, get back, was, huh?
6: Yeah, it was supposed to be for two weeks, and then I kind of got caught here because of the virus and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've just been crashing with my parents, and that's fine. No, it's been going well. <laughs> but, you know, it was. Uh, it's a difference between, uh, oh, two weeks, that'll be fun, and, like, two months, sure, I'm still here. <laughs> Uh, so I'm very happy to have my plane ticket back and, uh, yeah,
0: I'm with you, but I feel like, you know, you, you uh, a lot of people are going through that right now. A lot of people are, you know, have had to spend time back home with the parental unit. Uh, fortunately I did not as my mother contracted COVID and, uh, so I stayed Whoa. away from that.
2: <laughs> She's fine. She right? She's fine. Okay,
0: Everything is fine. Well, I'm
2: to
3: i to hear the second part.
0: Brendan, I will tell you this. Uh, uh, by the way, I'm Clark, by the way. Nice to meet you, Brendan. Um, nice to meet you, Clark. So I, um, my mom was always sort of the stable one between my parents. But uh, after she and my dad separated, for whatever reason, I guess she decided that she wanted to take over his manic in- energy. And so now <laughs> she's just very dramatic. And she told me and my sister that she uh, she had a high high fever for two weeks it was it was a rough go with the virus right but yeah. she she said that she had she wrote goodbye letters to both me and my sister
6: <laughs> oh my God! No. we're like what are you doing <laughs> did she read them to you
0: no I was like burn them yes.
3: get oh them away
0: goodness. why
1: why <laughs> tell me these things did I tell you that Russell uh, hi Brendan I'm here
6: hi Russell nice <laughs> Good- to meet <have> you <laughs> Clark didn't want to
1: introduce me. Actually, that, that's a testament to the type of guest we're dealing with this week. I uh, Anybody who's used to listening to this show will know that normally I uh, I lead the head charge in because I'm such a fanboy of the product. Clark is so excited to be talking to you today. And uh, I didn't even know if you were going to bring the COVID hitting your mom thing up on the show. Well, she's fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she's fine. We We made it through it's- it. Dude, you got to get the letters. We got to read them. Oh God! I hope no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Lord knows. Get the
6: letter. If you do get the letters, I will be back on to read. (laughs) uh, I assume your sister's, (laughs) and and I I will I will perform it in in my best uh, dramatic read, just to really sell the emotions (laughs) of the situation Uh, uh, of that very heavy (laughs) avoided. Tragedy. <laughs> I mean, yeah.
0: If we pivot into like an old school radio play of it, Russ, can you handle the betting music? Oh yeah. Okay, I'd be
1: down. Yeah. All right, dude. No. So Clark, he was talking about our nine to five jobs. He he gets yelled at at Texans all day, but it's recorded. I've been trying to get him to pull that audio for like a Patreon thing or something. I th- I think that would kill. <laughs> well, I had I,
6: I I would listen to I definitely listen to the supercut of it. <laughs> I'd listen to, like, like, the best three minutes of people losing no, their No, no, no.
1: You need all them. the nuance of the insults oh, and, and the threats. Oh, oh yeah.
6: Yeah. <laughs> you, oh, yeah. You need every moment of the passive aggression. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm very happy to be, um, I don't know, your break from that.
0: Well, thank you, Brennan. We're we're happy to have you. Uh, so, first thing, I think the question is that, so we, we watched the movie. God, we saw it probably four months. Wait, ago? can
1: I set it up? I know yeah, you'll go be ahead. mad, though. go ahead. All right. So um, I come home from work one day, and uh, Clark is trying to figure out what to do. It, uh, again, for a little context, me and Clark live together. Um, he's got a girl over, and he's like, we got to watch a movie. It's got to be good. He's trying to impress this girl.
3: Right, of course. And right. The first <laughs> of <laughs> <laughs> this is Russell's anyway, hold, on.
1: hold on. I control the mic. I'm going to cut your mic. Anyway, He's like, I know. We'll watch Velocipastor. Now, I I love Amazon Prime, so I'm, I'm very familiar. It was already in my queue. Yeah. I hadn't watched it yet. My response was, "What are you a fucking idiot? It's like you're gonna put on like Sharknado <laughs> or something. You're gonna bring this girl over, and th- the reason why I knew my audience, Brendan. Thank n- you, very Mega much. Shark versus Lavalanchula or whatever the fuck. They they're it's basically a movie cover. You come in there and you already know the whole." C- there's no content. It doesn't matter. It's just one concept. That's what they're selling everybody uh-huh. on. And I was like, "You're a fucking yeah. fool, dude. You're a fool. You're gonna make this girl watch Velocipasture." I'll I'll tell you, in two minutes, the movie's going. I already knew it was a different beast altogether. And I was just like, "Fuck, man, you were right. This is fucking good." I'm always right. And and and, and I'm so happy to have you on here because we're gonna try and figure out why it's so good. <laughs>
6: Well, th- I will say I am very proud how good a date movie it is. I, <laughs> it really I, is. I definitely, yeah. I, I like. I remember um, the first person I, I dated after the movie came out. Um, I she she was curious about the title because, of course, it's always sort of like a. You know, it's a strange thing to bring up. It's like, oh, I'm a filmmaker. Oh, really? What movie (laughs) did you make? Well, (laughs) and you, uh, I must admit that um, within like five minutes of her beginning to watch it, I started getting like this string of all caps texts. And I was like, "Slam dunk, dude!" <laughs> it was. Uh, I was so happy. And I, at the very end of it, she sent a video of her and her roommate jamming out to the ending theme. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very successful date movie, even for me, the filmmaker. So, I uh, I, I hope that it went well.
1: Uh, she hasn't been back.
6: Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> I blame COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might be the quarantine. We'll we'll throw the quarantine yeah, under the yeah, bus it's on
6: definitely that. The, it's definitely the quarantine. <laughs> Let me tell you it, it, that, yeah. Yep.
5: <laughs>
1: Alright, where do where do you want to begin this? I know Oh man, okay. There's so many things I want to talk about. Where do you want to oh, go?
5: Just go, just kick off.
1: I think you got one big question you want to ask him right away.
0: Well, it looks like so we're we're looking here, um, and then Oksana, uh, Russell's girlfriend, who also is uh, she's really, the one that booked you. Yes, she she is the the unspoken uh, you know brains of the operation. Yeah, um, and she made a, a she was noticing last night uh, she she was going through the cast that there's a lot of uh, steers in the cast. So it, uh, this oh, was a family effort,
3: right?
6: Well, I cast my dad as the um, as the older priest with the mustache. And that is that is my biological father, Daniel Steer. He had never acted a day in his life. I cast him because I assumed he would suck. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, literally, my thought process with it was twofold. I was like, you know, whenever you see those old bad movies, one of the great things is when you see somebody in a role or something and you're like, that's a producer. Yeah. <laughs> or you're like... That's like the director's buddy or something. And I, I wanted to replicate that. Like actors are trained, you know, like they, they have a, a, you know, they, they, they have all their different, um, schools of thought. They have all their different methods to prepare and non-actors, they are not trained. You just sort of get something different every time. And you never quite know how to, how to, um, necessarily approach working with them. It's kind of a roll of the dice and I assumed he would be bad. <laughs> I wanted that kind of unprofessional quality and the, essentially the second male lead. And it turned out he was really good. Yeah, were you
1: disappointed?
6: Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I was disappointed that he, he ruined my cool film school idea. But I was also like, dude, he killed it. Yeah. Also, I didn't have to pay him. And oh. <laughs> he, And of course that mustache, dude, you can't, you can't, you can't make up that kind of thing. I've seen that mustache my whole life and I knew the rest of the world needed to as well. (laughs) And as Um, you said, yeah, he's the
0: second male lead. This is not a small role. So how was he, how is, as you said, he'd never acted a day in his life. How was he with his lines and memorizing?
6: He came prepared actually. Like I will give him total credit. He showed up to play. He had, he was completely off book he never needed any prompting he was in rehearsals with Greg our lead like he was actually uh, honestly very professional it, it was it was very strange in a sense um just that if if you did not know even the people on set were like taken aback on day 3 or 4 when they realized it was my my real ass dad, and not like some <laughs> actor that happened to, I don't know, be crashing at my house, I guess.
1: Damn. Um, you know, hit the flashback, I wonder how that would have worked if he was bad. Because I think the whole strength of that flashback is just how, how straight yeah. and forward and <laughs> in the moment. Because, dude, it kills comedically. Yes.
6: Oh my God. The Vietnam flashback is, is for sure my favorite scene in the movie. Like, like I love that scene. Um, it it came out so much. I don't want to say so much better than I thought it came out exactly like I thought it would. Um, Oh, Oh, also my brother is in the dinosaur costume for most of it. Um, most of the time the dinosaur costume is there. Um, and my mom is uh, Adeline in the flashback. So actually every member of my immediate <laughs> family appears in this movie. That's great. Yeah, and it's it's very, it was, but then again, I will also say that, um, this is the first time any of them have really acted, uh, but all, all the films I've shot, it feels like they're always sort of involved. Like we're, we're a movie family. So we always like watch movies together. We, we, we go to movies all the time, um, I'm of course the one that became a filmmaker, but it is funny how much they have—I um, don't know—gotten used to the cadence of a set. Like they're they're like set veterans at this point. They they basically know about how long, um, like you know, uh, lighting takes. They know about the cadence of a movie set. Like that that stuff is a learning curve if you've never really been on one. And they are they are old pros at this point. So honestly, it's also not, my brother works as a grip professionally. And uh yeah, it's nice to have him around.
1: Now you 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 sniffed it out. That's exactly what I thought Clark would want to know right off the bat. I think last night we rewatched it and you asked like three times. You're like, dude, that is his dad? Yeah. It has to be his dad. There's um <laughs> yes. there's an Australian filmmaker, Craig Anderson, who did a movie Red mm. Christmas, and there's a little there's a little bit roll of a, a police officer that shows up, and that's his dad. And it's become this like this theme on this show where it,
0: Clark just fucking loves the family. I, well, yeah, I mean, if I could find my dad, maybe I would put him in a project. Uh, if anyone has yo, any ideas yo, no. of uh, where <laughs> William Little is, please uh, email us at Oh, Yeah, yo, I'll do you one better. Um,
6: I'll do you a couple better. So first of all, there's a lot of... there's My, da- my literal dad appears in this movie. Almost everybody is called father. And I <laughs> want you to know... That the villain, uh, Ji Chang, was played by my very serious ex-girlfriend's dad. Wow. So like, I was <laughs> dating her at the time, and uh, that's Ji Chang Yang. I dated his daughter for five years, <laughs> oh, man. and uh, he was he translated all of his lines into Cantonese and Mandarin, and, you know, you just cast who's around you. you you're just sort of like... Hell yeah. Ji Chang has such a look, dude. (laughs) Uh, He's an awesome guy. He's a he's a fine artist. And uh, yeah, no, they're a great family. So there's a lot of weird father stuff in this movie that I'm still kind of parsing out myself. (laughs) But (laughs) but, uh, yeah, no, it is 100 percent my my real dad.
1: Now, you don't have to answer this, but was it the movie that killed the relationship?
6: I can neither confirm nor deny. (laughs) No, No, it was not. It was not. And actually, it's very funny. I got a text from her... about an hour ago. And uh, it was just her complaining about chapter one of It. I got 26 <laughs> text messages and an angry rant. And I was like, oh, man, I- I'm glad that we're there again. <laughs> <laughs> you can just scream at me about movies you did not like. Wait, they- she, For the record, um, she is a very talented filmmaker herself. Her name is Feli Yang. And, uh, yeah, her shit's incredible, dude. She's a really talented woman. And uh, I'm very proud of her. So, now is yeah. she
1: doing horror too?
6: No, no, no. She's um she's done a couple of short films. She's still working up to her first feature. Are
1: they also about dinosaurs?
6: <laughs> I can neither control. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. She um well, it's funny because Ji Chang is a um he's a Chinese contemporary artist. Like like his shit's in the MoMA. Like he's no wow. joke. Wow. And uh he Feli's stuff is very um dare I say, Art House. (laughs) Uh, I really do love her work, but it's a lot um, less accessible than my own, I would say.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, okay. Now, we're talking to you about Velocipasture, and I made a joke about Sharknado and that whole kind of reimagining of sci-fi. Yeah. The reason I have um, a weird love-hate with those films is there's kind of a disconnect between the the product and the goal of the overall film and the technique behind the filmmaking. Now the thing Agreed. about Velocipasture is you, from the opening minute of that movie, you know that you, Brendan are in control of everything and everything is playing towards a bit or a, a, a laugh and it's so calculated. And I didn't notice until the second time we watched it that you're also the editor on the film. Now, yeah. now we we run a um, film fest that's all found footage. And when we're talking to people who do in-world camera narratives, a lot of them edit their own film, too. And it really creates a kind of technological like character. It adds like, another voice to the movie. And Velocipasture, you have it. It's there. Like... The, the whole craft of the film is speaking a language and thank you I n- n- dude it's amazing and um I realize now I, I, let's go back like w- Brendan was your life's dream to make a uh, were raptor movie or like were you a film fan young like what what are some influences
6: yeah it's so funny because um Yes. I mean, essentially, yes. For the first <laughs> it's funny because for a very long time when I was a kid, I, I was dead serious and dead set on being a paleontologist. <laughs> mm, wow. And like me too. at a certain
4: what? yeah, and yeah, at me a certain too. point
6: I realized <laughs> I, I, I kinda just wanted to make Jurassic Park. <laughs> uh, and that I was actually responding more to the filmmaking than even the dinosaurs themselves. Um, and so I went the I went the film school route. I, I went to a four-year four uh, film college. I went to SVA, uh, in, the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan, um, and I love art film. I do. I, I adore, like you know, Ozu, Bergman, Kurosawa, Tarkovsky, all of that stuff. I got an annual subscription to the Criterion
3: Channel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good job! But
6: yeah, but at the same time, I I have always adored. Um, low art. Like I love horror films. I love pulp narratives. I love um bad movies. I like I adore them. And I feel like a lot of people with the Sharknados and with with a lot of those sort of more asylum films, um movies that are trying to be bad. They usually suck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're they're usually I've thought a lot about it and I think, I think that it's because a lot of those movies are coming from a place of like, man, fuck these stupid movies, right? and, And it's like that's the opposite place of where you should be coming from. You should be looking at something like The Room and realizing this is an auteur movie. Like, this is a straight-up auteur movie that is just as valid as, like, a Jean Renoir film or something. It's just that, you know, it, it's not... It is showing you a completely idiosyncratic view of the world that only exists here. And that is sort of the brilliance of them, is that they're actually succeeding. Like, they're not succeeding in their intended genres, but their intent, they're su- succeeding in being unforgettable. <laughs> and like sort of yeah. showing you something completely different and new and fun and cool and honestly exciting. Like there's a reason that when you see a movie like Miami Connection or you see a movie like The Killer Shrews, like you never forget that movie. And um so the first the first uh, this is actually my second feature. The first one I did was a very um a very sort of grim Uh, psychological horror film called Animosity Um, and I really love that film but it's it's dark and it doesn't it's one of those films unfortunately that like the pitch is not exciting like the pitch is essentially um, uh, you know a newlywed couple moves into a house in the middle of the woods and things happen (laughs) and it's sort of like If I tell you what those things are that happen, which I promise are actually really cool, um, I have ruined the first 45 minutes of the movie because it's a slow build. And I I was very, very proud of that movie. And I was very proud of um, the craft in it, the the, the performances in it I thought were wonderful. Um, It was my film school thesis. And I got into Fantasia with that movie Wow! (laughs) Uh, and sold it. And so it's good, but it it was so frustrating for me that it it didn't really get more um, press because... And I understand why. Because it's like, I'm a nobody. This is a $14,000 indie film starring no one you've ever heard of. And the premise is essentially, um, trust me? (laughs) And like that's a really hard ask for an audience. And so when I was in film school in 2011... I had made a, uh, you know, uh, Tarantino and Rodriguez are two, two of my favorite filmmakers, or, or at least especially during the 90s were for Rodriguez. And, um, you know, they had just made Grindhouse. And so at the time, the idea of doing a short film as a trailer was really novel to me and really cool. And so uh, I made a 2011 four-minute version of The Velocipaster. Because uh, my phone had auto corrected the word velociraptor oh, to wow. a velocipaster. This oh. is real, and, and me film school. Brendan was like, "I don't know. It sounds like a fucking movie. That's a four minute short. Let's do it." <laughs> and so I did it, and it got, uh, in comparison to everything else I had on YouTube at the time, it like blew up, where it had like thirty or forty thousand views. Everything else I did had like. 10 <laughs> yeah. and you know at the time I had sort of chalked it up to like, ah, oh, well that's cool and moved on. And after Animosity had kind of, you know, come out and not really done anything, I couldn't stop thinking about Velocipaster. <laughs> and and I was sort of like the one thing I had promised myself after Animosity was make a movie you can pitch. Oh yeah. a- and like a movie <laughs> yeah. where like the log line of it is the hook because that was sort of the lesson I had learned. I, I knew I was um I knew, I knew I could make like a good movie. I knew I could make a feature at this point. And I was sort of like, yo, what if we just make it the Velocipaster? <laughs> like what if that's number 2? And and I I just sort of uh, how do I put it? Like like sort of shelve the art school pretension for like a season and I just make the fuck out of the Velocipaster. <laughs> And and that's, that's what I decided to do. And, and when I was approaching it as a feature, um, yeah, it, it, it was a lot about avoiding the pitfalls of the other sort of so bad, it's good movies on purpose. So bad, it's good on purpose movies.
1: Okay. Um, Okay. I know I'm going to cut you off there. There's a couple of things. Um, so bad it's good. That's a regular topic on here. And uh, we're not fans of that phrasing at all. I think, you know, what, what an audience is trying to articulate is their enjoyment of a film. Now, we've, we've shown a few films out here in the Bay Area, and we've literally seen people in a theater applause during a movie. They clap. They cheer. They'll, they'll you laugh till they cry. And then on the way out, yeah. when they're walking out, they'll be like, "God, that movie fucking sucked." And yeah. it, and and it's we look at each other, and we're like, "What the fuck, are you? T- I watched you in there. You were having yeah. a ball."
0: You know S- what I mean? Same thing with our our film festival. We see the ratings, we, <laughs> we see we see how the reaction in the theater, and then we see a bunch of twos. Yeah.
1: But it's like people are jumping out of their chairs, they're cheering, they're high fiving, yep. and then they come out and they're like, yep. "One," and it's like what the fuck did you give Schindler's List? You know what I mean? Or do you want to be crying in there? <laughs> yeah. And and here's the thing. So uh, a movie I try to talk to people about is like The Room. The Room was super popular as being like the worst movie ever. And, you know, out here in the Bay Area, we have a bunch of film theory majors who just think they're like the gods of cinema and they know everything. Mm-hmm. And they'll, they'll watch it and be like, oh, it's awful. I couldn't even get through it. Or, you know, they'll enjoy it and they'll be like, oh, it's so bad, it's good. And I'll be like... Yeah. You're so critical about the new A24 film that comes out. Why don't, why don't we stop and think about, like, what is it we like about The Room? And I think, you know, you can't manufacture The Room because it's a uh, foreigner's interpretation of a typical American drama. Except, you know, it's a single weirdo who's not American. So we get this... It may not weird, be a human. It may not be human. <laughs> right? And we get this weird, filtered reality. That none of us could have created. It's completely unique. So there's, a, there's an off-tour theory going on. Just nobody gives a shit about it. Yeah. Now, I think it's really important that you get that as a fan of uh, bad movies. Because when the problem here, that sci-fi and the fucking like Rob Zombie, SS, She-Wolves, um, Hobo with the Shotgun, Machete, all these trailer movies have, they have a good concept. And then you come into Machete and it's like, you know, that movie kind of, I like it, but it kind of stays alive with celebrity power. Like they're kind of, right. They're they're pumping in cameos a lot. I think Hobo with the Shotgun stays alive in kind of like a grindhouse way where I'd love Jason Eisner, but it's a lot of blood and a lot of uh, colored lighting. And I I really like that movie. I don't, I don't love it. It's kind of like diminished. In, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, when I think about it now. And honestly, I think Velocipastor's up there for me. And the reason I say this, not I swear it's not because you're on the show, it's because <laughs> somehow you kept it fresh. You kept this crazy idea, and it just evolves the whole movie. Like, uh, we rewatched it. And I completely forgot that they even meet like a, uh, what is, is he like a magician? The seance guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And I'm like, yeah, oh, how'd I forget? Yeah. And it's like,
3: yeah.
1: it's never dull. <laughs> can, yes. Can that. you, so how did you expound on the trailer?
6: Yeah. Um, so a couple of ways. Um, First and foremost, uh, I did have a couple of drafts of this movie where um, I, I, I think I was kind of getting in my own way. I, I was almost, it, it sounds very weird to say now, but I, I think I was trying to take it sort of too seriously. Like, I, I kept finding myself being like, but what am I saying about the Catholic Church? And like, <laughs> things like that. Which, like, in retrospect, is ludicrous. But like, at the time, with no sort of roadmap, I I didn't really know what to do with it. Um, uh, Eventually, you know what really cracked it for me? Believe it or not, was Miami Connection. Uh, It was two things. It was uh, well, three. It was Miami (laughs) Connection, The Ninjas. (laughs) Yep. Um, where it's there's this thing in Miami Connection. Parenthetically, is such a good movie. Yep. And. I loved that um, the, 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 the critical problem in Miami Connection is the ninjas are trying to smuggle cocaine into Miami, and no one questions why they're ninjas there. <laughs> like, no, nobody even for a moment is like, what the fuck are all these ninjas? Like, not even for a second. They're just like, oh, God, these damn ninjas. And <laughs> I thought that was like so funny. And and, and I, I basically stole that plot point wholesale just because it allowed me to incorporate a lot of sort of wuxia stuff and a lot of sort of like Kung Fu movie stuff, Hong Kong action movies, um, things like that. Um, and I just thought that was fun. Uh, another the, the other two things that really cracked it for me were um, Black Dynamite, the movie. Yeah. Um, I thought Black Dynamite was, that is, to date, I I saw it on a whim with my parents in New York in a theater, Um, and my God, it was one of the best theater experiences I've ever had. Like, it it, it was just, it had that Monty Python and the Holy Grail thing where it was like a perfect comedy where I was like, every part of this works, (laughs) and every part of this is so committed to its bit. And so like I really I, I sort of wrote down for myself that I want to do for creature features what Black Dynamite did for Black Exploitation. Where where it's sort of such a loving homage and manages to also kind of be a dope black exploitation film. Yeah. Um just by being so consummately entertaining. And and sort of the final key in the whole puzzle was um uh the Japanese film Hausu, uh sure. or House, which um i it that is one of my favorite movies like that that is actually my litmus test for if I'm gonna date somebody, I will show them how soon and see what happens and <laughs> and um because it is such a shotgun blast of creativity in every scene. every scene is a new visual idea or a new narrative thread, and it's sort of like all these things together where I wanted it to be um like. I wanted it to be funny and fun and propulsive and, and quite kind of be able to go anywhere at any moment. And sort of once I I got over myself and I was kind of like, what if this is a movie about a priest who turns into a dinosaur, like chase the fun. And as long as it is funny and sort of energetic the whole time, if it's punk rock enough, people will like it. Yeah, like it can. It's not gonna be, you know, um, the seventh seal, but it might be the first Ramones album.
3: <laughs> and
6: I'm, I'm sort of like that rules. I love that album, so it's like that was sort of what I wanted to do. I wrote the screenplay in two days. <laughs> wow, it the screenplay is 48 pages long. Really? I found it again recently. And I was like, holy shit, how did I get a feature out of (laughs) (laughs) this? It's it's like almost no action description. I I like storyboarded the whole thing. Um, I got all the uh, most of the soundtrack picked out beforehand. And I knew if we made it sort of lean, fast, and, um, you know, uh, like I said, chased the fun of it, that it would probably hang together. The one sort of. Um very very screenwriter thing that I made sure to do was I did absolutely um make sure that in the center of all this madness, I thought that Doug and Carroll's romance had to really work yeah uh, I because my thought was with movies like machete with movies like um you know Hobo with the shotgun a lot of the ones you mentioned uh. Like you said, the sort of trailer movies. Yeah. They they have this pitch, um, which is sort of this grindhousey, um, pulpy, immediately catchy pitch that, let's be honest, is mostly about the title. <laughs> yep. Um, and they sort of forget to make it movie shaped. <laughs> like they, they they have to you have to hit certain tenets of storytelling. Or the audience will actually get bored. If you just keep sort of inundating them with randomness and random humor, it's sort of like you're watching, um, I don't know, like a two and a half hour episode of like... Family uh, Guy. <laughs> yes, exactly. that's exactly what I was about to say, Family Guy. Where it's like Family Guy works in 20 minutes or 25 minutes. And if there's a marathon of Family Guy, like, Throw yourself from a cliff, oh. <laughs> like you—you you, just—it's not entertaining after a while because it, it there's nothing to hook onto. And yeah. I, I thought that if I was gonna ma- ask people to sit down for a feature length movie called the Velocipaster, there needed to be something that they could actually like—not—not not even necessarily like deeply emotionally connect with, but at least would like a plus B equals C make sense. (laughs) And I thought that the romance subplot would be the way to do that. And, and so I put, you nailed it, dude.
1: I I think the important thing there is that all those movies like Hobo with the shotgun, you can tell 80% of the development is just on the character. There's, Mm -hmm. there's like no world building really. I, I, you know, I guess Hobo with the shotgun is a bad example because we get the plague out of that movie which is
6: yeah, that's very true. one of
1: those gems. But, like, Machete, you know, it's Machete. Yeah. That's the movie. And yeah,
6: I've seen both of them, and I really can't tell you what happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I can tell you Lindsay Lohan shows up in the second one. Yes. And Mel Gibson was there? Yeah. I think.
1: Yeah, it's not dated yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs>
6: yeah. <laughs> and, and it's sort of like, that's my memory of them. Yeah, now... And, no, yeah, no, please, hold on. Please, I'm sorry, so, I'm interrupting.
1: No, no, I. You got to let us talk about how much we love your movie. We just have to keep <laughs> cutting you off. So, Black Dynamite. What a great comparison! Yeah. I didn't even think of that. But you know, you know what the strength in Black Dynamite is is Michael J. White, oh and my God. without you know, he had to actually be an an athlete and be able to like make
0: us believe it. He has, yeah, he has to be this physical presence.
1: Yeah, because if you don't, if you don't. I guess you don't have to buy into it, and that's why Tara Reid shows up in every Sharknado. But it makes it, there's a whole another level, a whole dimension is added when you are authentically rooting for your lead. So y- you got to tell us where you found Greg. He is
6: great. Oh my god, dude! He's he's so good. Um, I funny thing, a- another sort of serendipitous coincidence with Greg. Um, I had written the, the the film for another actor. Uh, to play Doug and, um, the actor couldn't, uh, when, when it sort of started looking like it actually might happen, he just was not in a place that he could do the film anymore. Um, and so all of a sudden I had this movie without a lead. And so we were trying to crowdfund it. Um, we failed three crowdfunding campaigns. Wow! By the way. Oh,
5: geez.
3: Ne-
6: <laughs> never let them, never let them tell you no. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Greg at the time was working for a company called Seed and Spark. Seed and Spark, sure. which is a um, crowdfunding company. He was a, a producer there. He, he was just sort of like one of their, um, I think, PR liaisons. Um, and he was in the LA office as he tells it, and somebody in the office turned to everybody else and went. Hey guys, some movie called VelociPastor just submitted for funding. It. And like they all crowded around. And Greg was like, wait a minute, I know a producer on that. And so he reached out because he really wanted to act um, to the producer, a guy named Brandon, um, which is very confusing, I know. <laughs> but but uh, Brandon had worked with him before as an actor. And Brandon was sort of like, hey, dude. My friend Greg kind of wants to audition for this. And I was like, sure, let the crowdfunding guy read. <laughs> uh, and so I sent him aside and I was like, have him self-tape, have him send this to me. And honestly, oh my God, he was perfect. Like from the moment he did the self-tape read, I was like, holy shit, that's <laughs> the dude. Like that is the guy. He like has that look. He he is so good at doing that Shatner-esque deadpan where you're not quite sure if he knows it's funny. (laughs) 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 He does. He does. Greg is a very smart, very talented guy. And, um, but yeah, God, it was just total serendipity. So as soon as I saw the, the, um, the self tape, I, I, I was immediately, uh, like "I I need to meet this guy. I think he's Doug. And so we met in a, in a park and within the hour I was like, yeah, it's yours, dude. Do you want to be the velociraptor?" <laughs> Cause like he, he just got it. And, and we did a lot of, um, it was really fun working with Greg. We got to talk a lot about, uh, I, I made a whole sort of dug Bible for him. That was, so to speak, <laughs> that was like, um, Six to ten pages, I think, of just sort of my thoughts on how he should approach the character and sort of the bizarro medium awareness he has to inhabit. Where, like, sometimes he has to be he's kind of playing an actor playing a role, but sometimes he has to actually be a good actor playing an actor playing a role. (laughs) And like sometimes he has to just completely embarrass himself. And it was very important to me that I found, I find somebody that was okay looking like an idiot because like that, that's, that's like the point of it. If you're, if you're sort of too precious with yourself or you're uncomfortable looking silly. Yeah. Fall apart. No, you know, uh, one of the highlights.
1: So I think there's a perfect moment where the unaware, like goofiness and the, Technique behind the way that you chose to capture the moment really culminate in when um, when Greg's walking around in the woods in the dress. Do you know what I'm talking about, yeah. Clark? <laughs> oh yeah. Now, no yes. th- the reason I point out that moment is, I mean, clearly it's funny. He's he's just so deadpan, and the physicality. The physicality it all. is great, but what I loved is your movies very methodically captured. Like we get a lot of um, we're in a confessional booth and we have an active zoom or maybe we're walking down the street and we're doing like a Godard breathless kind of thing. And then we meet, uh, (laughs) we, then we meet in a ridiculous, uh, pimp, which we got to talk about later. But in that moment, it was heavily edited and there was a lot of cross cutting. And I remember thinking it was crazy because normally, you know, I always hear about Michael Bay's the death of cinema and he doesn't film a movie. He just captures it with GoPros and shit. And, Yet you you had a moment between two characters that was very emotionally critical. Yet you were you were jump cutting all around, and I, it looked like you were doing handheld camera too. And it really it really helped the moment.
0: It really upped the ante there. Now, as a reminder, Brendan, we are we are found footage uh, fiends <laughs> over here. So we we love a hand, we love a handheld camera. Well, and we're hyper aware of the language of the camera. Sure.
3: Right, of course, and, yeah,
1: and it was just like it seemed counterintuitive the way you shot it, and especially with the rest of the film, which is very methodical. But dude, you you got an eye, and I think it helped being an editor. You just knew what the fuck you were going to have to cut.
6: Yeah, it it it. Thank you. Um, and also, it's funny that scene. Um, yeah, so so it, it is funny that that moment in the woods, it was raining. <laughs> Whoa! And oh. it was uh, Fe- my my ex girlfriend Felly was the colorist on the movie, and she great um, job. She- <laughs> yeah, oh god, she killed it. Very vibrant and looking. Yeah, yeah, and she that scene was the one scene that I was really worried about in the edit. In a sense, it was that scene in the sex scene. Because they were, they were the two scenes where I was sort of like having to have the most performative edit, basically. And um, yeah, I, I actually had the same sense. I was sort of like, when, when we're sort of... The, the reason it, it feels like we're just kind of capturing a moment is because Greg and Alyssa were so on. And they just knew their shit back and forth and back and forth. And it was sort of on and off raining that whole day. It was the only day we had inclement weather. And um, we just sort of had to capture it when we could. So I think we did like 10 to 15 takes of that scene. And basically everything usable that was good was what was in there. We just sort of ran it until I thought I had enough footage. And I I was like, I will have to, to an extent, find this in the edit. I'll certainly have to find the pacing of it in the edit. Um, So yeah, we did a couple of takes from the side on a very long lens to get that sort of 70s... um, telephoto look and then yeah we were just sort of up there with them doing handheld sort of chasing them around we actually if i remember correctly and and i there's probably some behind the scenes footage somewhere that disproves this but i remember jesse my cinematographer and i uh at least for one of the takes we put a sandbag on him because we were shooting with a, a sony a7s which is essentially a um it's a dslr it's like it's like a uh a uh, uh, Canon 5D. It's like a, a photo camera, it looks like. Yeah. And it doesn't have the weight of a 16 millimeter camera. It moves differently in a cinematographer's hands. And I was like, we need to have you kind of sway. I actually want it to be a little messier. Because if they were actually photographing this in the 70s and like running along like this, uh, they, they would have more weight to the camera. There would be film mags in there.
4: He's a smart and
6: man. um <laughs> yeah, so so it was it was interesting. That was that was a uh, not fun to shoot, but it was really I was so I I am eternally what I'm trying to say is it was probably the scene that took the most time in post. Cause also with the sound to eliminate all the raindrops falling around them, like I said, Feli's color job and Jesse's camera work. And it was like, yeah, I'm very And on top of all of that, that scene is actually kind of pitching the point. It has to sort of justify the rest of the movie. Yeah, Like, Carol is essentially pitching the plot. (laughs) And it's like, if we don't hit that scene, then there is no movie. And so I'm very happy that it all came together the way it did. And that we got Greg in that dress. He just looks so good in it. (laughs) No, (laughs) no.
1: Dude, Brendan, I, I it's will- definitely a testament to your editing, though, because you could you could have lost that moment, and you know it. In the back of my head, I was like, "Dude, are they shooting around something? Like, was the light bad?" Or I could not tell it was mm-hmm. raining. Nope, no idea. So not you great. you you hit it. <laughs> you awesome. hit it, and <laughs> I honestly thought it was a um, style choice. I thought you were trying to up the um, the manic. Uh, experience of kind of like reliving a a terrible night where you ate another human, and it works.
6: I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, like, look, you're not wrong. Like, it is a kinetic scene, and and that was sort of why I thought it would work. Like, like if if for some weird fantasy reason that had been the energy of like one of the confessional scenes, it would not have worked, and I would not have shot it that way. No, and I would have probably delayed the day and been like, "We we're just not getting it. We'll get it tomorrow." Like, but but I thought we could get it. I thought we could capture that scene, and yeah. we did. No, it was I, the only thing we could capture by that by that the shortest day.
1: <laughs> by that point in the film, um, I'm sure every audience is fully aware that they're in good hands, and you know, every long take, everything was very thought out. I mean, there's what what is the moment where um. Where we have a uh, Greg say what? Oh yeah, when the, the camera <laughs> zooms like, in and he goes, "What?" Was, yeah, <laughs> dude,
0: it may be my favorite
1: moment. I don't know why that works so well, but it yeah, it kills,
6: dude. It's great. Yeah, there there is certain there's a certain um I know what you mean. I, I have seen this movie. I don't even know how many times I've seen this movie now. Honestly, um, and and I will say um. There are certain moments of it where I still laugh, and I don't know why. I'm like I've I've known this movie from for like four or five years now, and there are certain moments of it that are just I don't know why it's funny to zoom in on Greg saying what twice. I just know it
1: is. <laughs> well, uh, you know, and humans so, we're we social creatures, that. and I'm sure whenever you're watching it, people are around, and the movie it can't play bad. Yeah. I just can't no. imagine this movie playing bad.
6: It is a Awesome theater movie. <laughs> now,
1: now uh, before we get too far away from it, you mentioned another scene in the film that was really um, allowed you to flex your editing skills, and yeah. I I would be a fool not to bring up that sex scene. My God, that felt it was like Brian De Palma meets uh, comedic Truffaut. foe <laughs> Clark. Clark uh, yeah. He he moved his hand onto the, the his lady friend's hand. Didn't and, happen. And, can you can you talk okay. about the inspiration there? That was a very ambitious like choice.
6: Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so there were a couple of things. I the the inception of it was this. I thought in my maniac way that it would actually be kind of a funny joke. If the sex scene in the dinosaur priest movie yeah. <laughs> was good,
3: oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like I,
6: I was like the obvious thing. There are a million like bad taste, puerile jokes you can immediately steer it into. Like like you have a priest having sex for the first time. You have a dinosaur transformation in the mix. She is a sex worker. It is like the, it, it, there's so many things you can do with it, um, and I didn't want to do any of them. And and I was sort of like, I want this to be, what if this is like an actually like woozily romantic and kind of like really, I I, I don't know if I necessarily want to say erotic, but certainly like sensory experience. And so there were a couple of inspirations. Um, It was Suspiria for the lighting, of course. Um, Love me, love me, my, my Argentos. Um, and Suspiria is my favorite. Um, I, am, I am the boring Argento fan. <laughs> but uh, I do adore that movie. And, and I just, I was like, I want primary colors, really strong primary colors. I want more frames on screen than <laughs> <to> seem possible. <laughs> and, you know, I, I started, like, I, I, I edited this film in Latvia. Believe it or not, I, I had to. I had to go to goddamn Latvia,
3: as
0: you do,
6: and yeah, as one does. And Latvia, if you've never been, is like a bleak ass Eastern Bloc place, <laughs> and it was like winter there, so it, it was. It was just very, very dark and very long nights. And I, I tried to edit myself kind of out of this weird depression that I was in in Latvia, so. I had all this Suspiria footage. I found the song in Latvia. I did not have the song. I I, I like very vaguely knew the kind of song I needed. Um, And Jesse happened to have shot the music video for uh, Didn't Have Time to Think by Math the Band. And he sent me the first cut of his music video. And there was something really kind of sexy but sad about that song. (laughs) And I I was like, oh, God, it's perfect. So then I had the song and the footage. And I was playing a lot of Overwatch. (laughs) So it it was like something about the freneticism of Overwatch. Um, I also, I'm a little, uh, like, I love Stan Brakhage. Like, I really like a lot of experimental films. And I was sort of like, How do you get an edit to, like, capture an orgasm? (laughs) Like, like, can you do that? (laughs) Like, what does that feel like? What is that that experience? What is that sort of assault like, good and bad?
1: Okay, well, I'm not familiar with Stan Brakhage. Can you tell me a little bit about his work?
6: Yeah, he was an experimental filmmaker, American experimental filmmaker in the 60s to, like, the 90s. What he would do is he painted on individual cells of film and so he he would sort of he would have like a, a um one of his films is called like mothlight and it's like 2 or 3 minutes silent and it's just sort of this assault of colors and images and and it's one frame um every frame is hand painted so it's just sort of like this strange barrage of color and and just sort of shapes you can kind of make out. And I don't know, it's it's kind of a strange experience to watch one of his films. It's kind of like lonely, but also bizarrely loud, even though the film itself is silent. There's nothing really else like him. And I, I loved that idea of the, the edit... Um, how do I put it? Like like a cumulative effect of the edit. Like like there's those frames at the end of the sex scene where we recap the entire film. <laughs> yeah. I, I took one I took one frame from every shot we had used up to that point. And I was sort of like, I don't know. Maybe Doug's thinking about the journey that led him here. <laughs> and it's also just a fun thing to do.
1: No, no, Brendan, you're laughing. Yeah. But that reads. It reads beautifully. It's almost like this is the culmination of this uh, very um, uh, self exploration and his journey through like religion and to China and back again, and and it really makes a very sweet emotional climax. Yeah, like
6: right? I thought so too. I was like, I don't know, this rules.
1: <laughs> now, when you when you were talking about like a love scene in a you know a were Raptor movie. It you instantly reminded me of Wolf Cop, and I'm like, you know, Wolf Cop did the complete opposite. Where they kind of did what you expected. Like there's a love scene in there. They have kind of a a new retro '80s tune playing, and they light it, and there's like nudity, and it's kind of like it's good. But it, it, thinking back, it kind of gives me a yawn. Where yours, dude, I'm obsessed with that love scene because I'm I'm really on a because you're a horn dog. No, well, it's it's really not that titillating. It's not. No, you have two good-looking leads, and it's it's really no. not about that. You kind of no. don't allow it to be about that, for sure. And it's it's just it's a multi-sensory moment. And uh, so oh god, what four or five weeks ago we talked to a uh, found footage filmmaker named uh, Slasher Victim Six Six Six. He's a Canadian fellow. Dope. Very interesting, <laughs> to say the <laughs> <Anyway>, least. <laughs> anyway, on his, his new film, Real 2,
6: yeah. he,
1: there's a lot of gore, because he's really <laughs> killing people. And um, the way that he treats it, like, like, in the, like in the 80s, if the 80s is all sure. about the visual experience of nudity and um, stabbing people, nowadays, when we try to like relive that nostalgia, it's kind of like we enter those moments and we get bored. As an audience, it's kind of like, oh, okay, I know we're, I appreciate it, but I've seen this shit before. And what he did is, he had like, what, like six different frames going at one time, yeah. very like Brian De Palma, but like on steroids. And what oh, it oh, does, that's cool, dude. It with gore, like, and you're you're a fan of horror. You mm. look at gore, and it's not really about what's happening, unless it's like green room and it's made to be like grotesque. Mm-hmm. Right, you you kind of it shows the seams, and you're you're sitting there, and you're like, oh, that's kind of a cool effect. Now, but when you have nine different images on on camera, and it's the movie's claiming to be real, right? It's right. kind of like you don't have a you don't really have enough time to get your footing, and you're kind of like yes. looking all over. And I got that same sensation from uh, your love explosion. It's kind of like it's kind of <laughs> never. never say love explosion ever again. <laughs>
6: No, I want you to say love explosion to me every Dude, night. Dude, it was a Brian. It was a
1: Brian De Palma love explosion. Oh
6: God. <laughs> well, I will say, um, that's cool. And and what I really like about that um from what you're describing is is I feel like a lot of a uh, something that is, is never really they talk about it a lot in literature, but they don't really talk about it as much in filmmaking, which is um one of the most important things I think you have to ask yourself not just with your film, but with every scene of your film is whose point of view are you in? Yep. And that changes scene to scene that can change scene to scene. um, That can remain constant the whole movie, but every part of your movie, every diegetic and non-diegetic thing you are putting on the screen that is, or should be predicated by your point of view and your point of view character. And so it's like for that sex scene, definitely it's Doug's point of view. And it, it's like this would be this sort of overwhelming emotional moment for him, for both of them, yeah. but particularly for Doug. And um, I don't know. I think about that before every scene I film. And sometimes it is like an omniscient point of view. Sometimes it is almost like the storyteller's point of view. Um, but you you have to think about that. And I think that in a lot of more glossy horror films where they have the budget to do basically whatever effect they want. They, they, they stop thinking about that and they start thinking a little more about like, man, this is a really cool effect here though. Right. And it's sort of like, yeah, it's great, but that's not, is that the point of your shot? Like cool effect, bro? (laughs) (laughs) Because like that, that's not, that's actually not effective storytelling. And, and I don't know, I, I, I go back and forth with a lot of that stuff, but I am always, um, look, a cool shot is a cool shot is a cool shot. But I think that if it's really in service of nothing besides look, a cool shot, or, like, look a cool effect. Um, uh, I don't know, unless the characters, the character themselves is, like, in awe of a vista. It's sort of like, I don't know why you're showing me this, or at least showing me this this long. And I don't know, I'm, I'm interested in that kind of stuff. I'm interested in including more uh Different ways to look at how to how to film and edit and capture something. I, I think that that kind of stuff is really fun, and, and I find it exciting as a viewer. I, I actually like. I get more engaged if if you have to like squint and concentrate. You know, for sure. I'm dying to do a film in mini DV
3: oh, because whoa. it's just
6: so gro- such a gross format, <laughs> and you really gotta squint during it. And I don't know. I'm in for that. So. What,
1: what do we got? An Inland Empire? was yeah. that mini DV? I, got, I got a DV right in the next oh, room. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, come over, Brendan. We'll make a movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, uh, as we wind down here, Brendan. Uh, now, Russ, do you want to ask him your, your theory about the inspiration for Frankie Mermaid? Oh. Now, I'm going to guess no. Okay, you're guessing no. I'm guessing no. All right. Uh, I'll, All right. Now, but I am guessing that he has seen the movie. Okay, um,
1: so, Brandon, my theory was that uh, he was a little inspired from Ramrod and Vice Squad.
6: I, I have not seen the movie. Okay. Oh, damn
1: it. Then, <laughs> well, here, so, see, this question was going to work either way, because okay. now go watch Vice Squad.
6: <laughs> I will definitely watch Vice Squad. Starring the great Wings Hauser. <laughs>
1: because, now...
6: Oh, I do like Wings. <laughs> dude, do you know Wings Hauser? I do, uh, actually. Okay. not personally, but I, I yeah I, I am aware of them.
1: Oh, dude, dude, Vice Squad, he sings the damn theme song of the movie. Oh, it the Vice it really Squad rips, rips. dude. Uh, Brandon, that's our gift to you.
6: <laughs> okay, I will look up Vice Squad
1: <laughs> now, dude. Oh, please do. And then you got to email us right after. You have to <laughs> we'll contact do, we'll us.
0: Do.
1: All right, were you gonna? Was that gonna go anywhere else for you? No, that was it. Oh, I was yeah. just wanted to say.
0: <laughs> Anytime we talk about Wingshauser, we'll bring it up.
1: Now, okay. Writer, director, editor. How how much footage did you end with at the end of the day here?
6: Um hmm. You know, honestly, I don't do that many takes. I don't. Um How long I, was the shoot? Shoot was like uh, oh god, sixteen days, fourteen okay. to sixteen, I think. It was very tight. Yeah. It, it was like very quick. Um honestly, and I, I will um I'll be the first to tell you. It's like the first shoot I've ever done where nothing went wrong.
1: Oh, knock on wood.
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> it's like that, that one day we got rained out, that, that we still got the scene.
3: Yeah. That
6: was like the only day that we hit like adversity. It, it was an almost stunningly smooth shoot. Um, everybody was on board, everybody got the material in the movie. It was the most fun I've ever had shooting a movie, hands down. Um, and so I don't know, there were a couple of, I'd say maybe three to one, maybe, I don't
5: know. Wow. Like,
6: no, 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 maybe a little more because actually the, the scenes that we had the most footage for were the fight scenes Okay. because of the, um, you know, I wanted to do them like Bruce Lee movies. And Bruce Lee films, they shot them like a – they did not edit them that heavily. They shot them almost like a dance number to show that the actors were actually doing it. And I I wanted to see if we could do the same thing. So all the fight scenes, um, both in Carol's bedroom and then the ending fight with the costume, those were just a lot of long takes. And we would run it like five or six times a piece because it's kind of impossible to pay attention to all the action happening on screen. And there's sort of, like, a sweet spot of it looking good and also being silly. (laughs) Like, it it has to look, like, fun and kinetic enough to be enjoyable to watch, but it has to not look, like, too good. (laughs) So it's, like, a weird sweet spot you have to hit with that. And um, it's very hard to see in the moment. You do have to kind of, like, you know, you can't pause to watch two and a half minutes of playback after every take. So it, 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 I don't know. Um, most of it is on screen though. Uh, I, I will say that, um, was there anything there, you there cut out? Not, no, there were no cut scenes or anything. No.
1: Wow. Uh, now, okay. Back to the love explosion. Um, did you know you were going to do that when you were filming it? Like all of the, no. okay. So w- what did the scene originally look like?
6: I didn't really know. <laughs> it was actually, it's so funny. Cause like the film is, a. um, I obsessively storyboard my own stuff. Uh, Like that, that's actually, it's so funny because I've had a lot of people offer to do storyboards for me for the next one. And I really very much appreciate their offers, but that's actually an integral part of the creative process to me. Like I love storyboarding my own stuff. It's sort of like the first time you get to make the film, it's the first time you get to see it and feel the cadence of it and all that. And um, I would say that I almost. 85% of the time shoot my exactly what's in the storyboard for the scene. Um, And the sex scene I was really scared of. Because actually when we got there on the day, I didn't really know how it was going to cut. Like I said, I didn't even have the song. So I I got a lot of really good looking footage um, that I thought would be enough to work. I knew I wanted to do something with different frames. Uh, like I didn't know how many frames <laughs> uh, that was found in the edit. And, and that, that moment in the song was what sold me. There's sort of that moment where the song itself opens up and, um, in the edit, I, I, you push the one frame in and all of a sudden, I think you have 12 frames on screen and, and you start flashing the, uh, the <laughs> stained glass behind it to the drum beat. <laughs> um, I, 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 that was found in the edit and I, it was just because i kept listening to the song and sort of seeing something like that in my head and i was like i don't know i think i can do that i think i think that i can render that in the- <laughs> um, i will say that took a very long time to get the timing right just because i i was editing it in my shitty laptop <laughs> and it's like it does not it was not a very powerful machine and so literally every cut i would have to render it out for like I don't know, three, five minutes for like thirty seconds, and then be like, "Nope, that's all off time." So I'm gonna have to go back and guess and render it again. Um, this is fascinating for viewers, I'm sure. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was a uh, that really was found in the edit, and and it's funny. I, I know that um, a lot of people look down on that, and I certainly don't think you should use. I feel like when a lot of filmmakers say we'll find it in the edit, it's a crutch. Like, you have to have enough footage, you have to have enough of an idea of what you want to do, that it's possible to find it in the edit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I was confident that we had something. I didn't know what it was, but but I, I knew I could find it. And I'm, I did. I'm happy I did.
1: Got that's very interesting. And please, d- don't worry. Um, We don't have a very robust audience, but everybody in here is pretty much... They're doing stuff in the industry, so people appreciate that. And man, somehow you made this movie not only work but fucking good. It's just really good. So what's what's next
0: for you, Brennan?
6: Well, (laughs) um, well, I want to do the next one. Um, We're uh, you know plans are kind of in the middle of. it's COVID season, yeah. so it's kind of anybody's guess when we'll get the funding or, or whatever. But I want to do a spiritual sequel to 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 Um and it's called Outback Dracula.
3: Oh, what! <laughs> it,
6: it takes place in 1880s Australia. And the logline is, a psychic lesbian schoolteacher teams up with the world's greatest adventurer to battle Dracula and defeat his golden army of the undead.
1: In. That's all we need. Yeah. Are you, are you going to crowdfund
6: right. it? <laughs> I don't know yet. Um, we, we're, we're trying not to. Because um, okay. we're trying to just see if we can get the funding. Um, I want to be able to pay myself for a movie finally. <laughs> I I have never gotten a paycheck from any of my movies. Um I, I well no 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 let me take that back. I have never cut myself a paycheck from the budget. And good. <laughs> I am at the point in my career where I'm like I gotta get fucking paid. Dude, I can't. I can't take like a year off of work again and just sort of like take the financial hit. So you've paid I'm your dues. I'm hoping that <laughs> I'm hoping that the success from the velocipaster will allow me to get that the budget I want. And um, yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, if if all else fails, then yeah, we'll also explore something like crowdfunding or something like that. Well, Honestly, if, right now we're we're thinking like maybe a behind the scenes Patreon while we're filming might be fun. Yeah, like to have like sort of a hey, if you guys want to know what's happening, like this will be on the Blu-ray, but like <laughs> <laughs> if you want a sneak peek, uh, you can pay whatever, and uh, we'll use the money to help uh, send it to festivals or something. I don't know. Well, I hey, don't know. I don't know what kind of money we're working with yet. So you've but always got that. Uh, sure.
0: you've always got Greg and that seed and spark plug
6: over there. So. <laughs>
1: options are always there, but dude, if you do a Patreon or like a Kickstarter or whatever, let us know
0: because I don't want to miss out on it.
6: If you do it again, absolutely. will do.
0: Well, Brendan, thank you so much, man. This was an absolute joy. And, uh, thanks for staying up late with us, man.
6: No problem at all. Thank you guys. This is fun.
1: Well, you know, do you have any social media or anything where people can find you?
6: Yeah. Um, I'm actually, it's so funny. I'm, I'm in the middle of a, uh, uh, oh, like a month, a month or two social media, uh, break.
1: Congratulations. Um, Good job, dude. It
6: it fucking rules. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've never done it before. I, and I, I feel so much more alive (laughs) and, but I will say I, I do, I tweet a lot and I do have an Instagram and both of them are just at Brendan Steer. Uh, if they want to find updates on the Velocipastor or Outback Dracula, um, it is at the Velocipastor on everything. Uh, as one word, the Velocipastor. Uh, because at Velocipastor is a real priest.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
6: uh, you can tweet at him. He seems like a very nice chap, but he does not know what the movie is yet. Or at the very least, I don't think he's seen it.
3: (laughs) So if you want
6: to talk about the movie, uh, it is at The Velocipaster. And uh, I assume probably around September I'll hop back on everything and be very re-energized and just happy to be back.
1: All right, Brendan. Now, when you make a found footage movie or when we get Clark's mom's letters, (laughs) we'll (laughs) definitely be back in contact with you.
6: I do want you guys to know there is a found footage movie I'm dying to make. Oh, um, okay. It, and uh, it's the one I want to shoot on Mini-DV. Oh. Um, and it's a horror film about incels.
1: Oh, dude. Uh, oh, boy. And
6: I, re- I have the script. I just have... I I, I don't know if it's going to be before or after Outback Dracula. I want to see if I can get actual... some sort of funding for that. Maybe I'll crowdfund that one. I don't know. I, I Like, I want to make that as well. But it's also like it's so funny because um, it's sort of like Velocipastor is obviously like this fun time romp. And uh, that movie is like, Uh, A bad time, bad time. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I, I, it's, it's just strange. I, I don't know quite how to stick that landing yet. Of being like, I'm the Velocipaster guy, and I'm here to ruin your year. (laughs) So, but I will, I will tell you that when, when I make that movie, I will absolutely send it to you guys. I think you'll enjoy it.
1: You, you have to. Well, I want to fucking show it. You already got me sold. I'm, you're the man, Brendan we're fans oh,
6: thank you all right thank man. you so much guys this was a lot of fun enjoy your night thanks you again sure.
1: yeah what the hell like we're getting technical problems now oh it's probably we, we're almost at the length of a uh, velocipaster the movie here <laughs> so that,
6: oh my god we are
3: <laughs>
1: yeah it's on amazon prime everybody go fucking watch it yes. brendan uh Please. you rule we love you and uh love you t- you're never gonna get rid of us now
3: Okay, (laughs) sounds good. All right, Brendan. All right, thanks, man. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye.